This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we prefer our deaths quick and pointless. I'm your host, the hobo obituary editor Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today in the same room as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and I also enjoy sex. <laughs> and who do we have on the line? Our special guest. Oh, hi, it's Jason Sheridan from Podcast The Rye. And this week's episode is Half Decent Proposal. Oh, Jar Jar, everyone hates you but me. <laughs> This week's episode originally aired on February 10th, 2002, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City have begun. Rudy Giuliani gets an honorary knighthood from Queen Elizabeth, and Big Fat Liar is released in theaters, and it's only known to uh, hardcore (laughs) theme park enthusiasts because it is forever a part of the Universal Hollywood Tram Tour. Really? Yeah, you don't remember, Bob? When Uh, Oh, look, it's just a normal, uh, old-style Mexican town. What's that? Water's coming through. Oh, no! Splash, splash. So that set piece was from Big Fat Liar, or they used it in Big Fat Liar? Hmm, I I believe it was used in Big Fat Liar. I I, I refer, though, to our our podcast. Uh, our podcast the right expert here though if, uh, if he recalls uh, i think it was yeah you just used in big fat liar because they kind of like chase uh paul giamatti chases frankie munez and amanda Bynes. is that right that mm-hmm. sounds right okay uh, and he chases may be them. blue he's blue he chases them through the universal back lot and that was one of the like practical effects that I think's been on the studio mm-hmm. tour for quite a while. Yeah, it's funny. Every I've ridden the tram tour I think three times now, and every time I see it, I'm like, "Wow, look at that!" It's the <laughs> the, the clip from Big Fat Liar. I've been waiting to see it every single time. Yeah, Giamatti's most famous. You know, the thing he's most known for, clearly. <laughs> oh yeah, he could have been in uh, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man three, right? If only, if only. Man. Yeah, yeah they, he. I mean, he still he'll always be the Rhino, even if. He should be pissed he was not invited to uh, No Way Home, though. You know, all the other actors got invited him. But I, my theory on that is it would have made it officially six villains instead of five. And uh, clearly Sony is holding back their Sinister Six for some later event because of, the, as we all saw, the post credit scene in Morbius where Vulture and Morbius meet up and they're like, hey, I think we should team up and get this guy named Spider-Man. <laughs> so Sony's building to a Sinister Six film, uh, Avengers style. And, and the uh, the Salt Lake City Olympics, did, did, didn't Miss Mitt Romney have something to do with this? I uh, mean, it was like a boon. He saved it. He saved it from financial ruin is what I always heard. I, I wow. feel like it was way over budget or the money was not allocated right. And I think that's what he used to propel himself to a 
larger political career the 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 biggest thing i read on on the salt lake city winter olympics other than like it was i remember at the time it was famous this is every olympics but certainly people my mom was talking at the time like oh the salt lake city people they just bribed everybody in the olympic committee to to get it there but it also is apparently the first one where they officially tested for doping oh like it's the the first winter olympics where they tested for. (laughs) they also tested for caffeine because it was salt lake city (laughs) and yes before anyone comments he was president and ceo of the salt lake organizing committee well, so there you, there you have it wow man and and yeah the uh the rudy giuliani honorary knighthood thing that was uh several 9-11 uh uh heroes <laughs> they, they were invited to the buckingham palace and given honorary knighthoods which is why you don't call him sir giuliani because an honorary knighthood does not come with the name of you don't call the person sir it's like an honorary phd you can't just go teach with that right yes yeah <laughs> this this went back in the news last year because i i do you guys recall rudy giuliani's kind of drunken rambling speech of the 20th <laughs> anniversary of 9-11 event thing uh, he's had so many drunken rambling speeches that they all kind of run together okay. for me. Well, in this one, he says, I turned down a knighthood from Queen Elizabeth. She And then he imitates her voice. And I was just like, no, I, I have to give up my American citizenship to be a knight. And I was like, no, that's bullshit. And you did. And he accepted the knighthood. Like he, <laughs> he but he does make a quick joke about it. he's like, and you know, Prince Andrew was there and I don't know nothing about that. He said. <laughs> Now, why would you even bring that up? Like, why would you even mention that? (laughs) Now, now before anyone asks. (laughs) Yeah. I only met Prince Andrew to ask how to get away from Prince Andrew. Yes. (laughs) We went to a a normal island. Uh, but, But so that's what happened in 2002 when this Simpsons episode aired. And you heard him up front joining us today is Jason Sheridan of Podcast The Ride. Jason last joined us for, I believe, Treehouse of Horror 10 in uh, July of 2020, a very spooky month indeed. Welcome back to the show, Jason. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Great episode. Oh. Uh, to the pretty good late later postseason, like 9 or 10 Simpsons episode. It did coin the phrase, a wizard did it. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a classic in, in online discourse. And well, yeah, Jason, uh, uh, me and Bob, we're saying this before the recording, but seriously, you guys on podcast the ride have been on a real roll lately like in especially since you launched a a new tier to your patreon for for truly premium content oh thanks yeah um yeah we added an eight dollar tier for with like ad free uh free feed episodes and an additional episode a month that people get to vote on out of like four or five topics i we're I have to mm. go do something tomorrow, I think, for the first one of those. <laughs> I've been putting it off, mm. and it's coming time <laughs> for the recording, so I have to go far from my house to go do something, uh, but it should be fun. If there was a $100 tier just for McGruff episodes, I would join it. I'm just <laughs> throwing that out there. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I always joke that Mike has not had a good night's sleep since I met him in 2009, so... <laughs> I think a few more music projects is really what he needs to get him that good REM sleep. Yeah. Uh, the people demand it. Uh, At least I do. You know, I, I'd go to a $50 tier of just one episode every three months where you all talk in the Mickey voice. Cause you, oh, that too, yeah. You all have wonderful Mickey voices that are distinct from each other too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I think it's become a thing, not a thing we like purposely, like, oh, it's a theme park podcast, we should do this. It's just like combing back through like like old TV specials and then really like lost media. Like there's one grainy copy on YouTube and you're like, what did they have Mickey say? 
which of the 10 Mickey, like, actor, which of the, like, you know, the guys that don't do the A-list stuff, did they have say this? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a top-tier Wayne Allwine. It was yeah. some, uh, like, lesser man, some understudy, <laughs> if you will. Uh, yeah, and I don't even think, like, a lot of them are really good. Like, do it really good, but it's very clearly like, hey, could you come in and do this tomorrow? You know, this has to air in a week. <laughs> Wayne's not going to say, I use the den. Yes. That, Wayne's well, not going to say I'm that. glad your, your uh, Twitter finally posted that clip so I can show it to people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I use the den is kind of infamous but our more recent one we've been obsessed with is the uh okay you asked for it <laughs> right which is <laughs> right. just an it's such a, a violent freight it's such a violent like old-timey goon thing for mickey to say it's surrounded by his you know gar armed guards who are, are going to uh, do this for him yeah yeah <laughs> One, uh, you know, Jason, too, last time you shared a, a very fun Pauly Shore story. I'm curious, you know, in, in your in your Hollywood exploits, have you ever run into John Lovitz, the, the big guest star of this episode? No, I, I've never uh, run into Lovitz, but I, I have for many years done a mental exercise where I think about, like, what, like, you know, we all like to post our little jokes and, and hot takes on Twitter, and I often wonder, like, what SNL cast members could I just dump on and face no professional repercussions? And <laughs> I I don't think Lo- I don't think Lovitz is even in the top ten. Like I I loved Lovitz as a kid. He still bubbles up in like supporting actor kind of stuff, and I think it's fun to see him that. But then every now and then he'll show up on a radio show or a podcast complaining about millennials or cancel culture, and it's like oh god. But it's like I don't think mm. I'd I'd face any professional repercussions for like shitting on Victoria Jackson or Rob Schneider. Like it's like they're so they're so far in that they're so far out there they're so deep in the woods you know well at this point in history so the the dot-com bubble popped uh the lovitz bubble also popped because Mm. his he really ruled the 90s i mean he was on snl in the 80s his real breakout role in movies was uh, not mom and dad save the world which he left snl to make but (laughs) a league of their own a a bit part not a bit part but a smaller role that got him a lot more roles it got him uh, the critic which he didn't like doing he thought that would be a live action show he didn't know what he was signing up for (laughs) now that's all he wants to do all he wants is to do the critic yeah Yeah, it's uh and like i think his last movie before this was like maybe rat race yeah yeah that was his last big well when i looked at his filmography on wikipedia i was like wow he hasn't actually like been in a movie in like 18 years like not a real movie like bench warmers which is hardly a real movie that was like the last time he was in a movie and that was that was really just a favor from david spade i feel like yeah, well, he's, he's in bench warmers too breaking balls which sounds like a, a direct what? to 2b movie <laughs> yeah, or something like yeah. that hey hey let's not besmirch the fine name of tubi okay you know that's directed <laughs> dvd yeah i don't besides bench warmers but i i can barely i can kind of picture the movie poster but a lot of the other ones it's like yeah rat race very solid uh, the critic i'm shocked we haven't gotten a critic re- reboot yet you know they they've talked about it and they pretty much have to admit that like one film criticism doesn't work like this anymore so jay sherman can't do that and two 
other than John Lovitz, most of their cast is dead from yeah. the original series, which which really hampers. And it. also, uh, co-creator Al Jean has been busy on another show for uh, what 20, 22 years, twenty three, yeah, something like yes, that. Yeah. And also, yeah. uh, co-show creator Mike Reese is done with like show running yeah, too. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> like I, I imagine that maybe it will come back in some point, like a special or something. Like mm. uh, John Lovitz needs this in his career. I think <laughs> he needs this in his life. But yeah, we are past the bubble, uh, the Lovitz bubble of the nineties. It's just. Like yeah, Charles Napier dead, Christine Cavanaugh dead, uh, Doris Garrow dead. Like the three, all of his supporting cast. Uh, Park yeah. overall still alive. You no, know, yeah, she's still with us. Well, I, but you know, I mean, yeah, I, I as soon as I said that, I was like, oh yeah, some of those older actors have probably passed. But you know, a Tress McNeil could just do all of those, and her she could slot right in and do all of those <laughs> in her sleep. She already replaced Doris Grow on The Simpsons That's as, true, uh, as yeah. Lunch Lady Dora, so right. she's she's doing a version of doris grow on the show currently sure yeah i mean that was a real thrill watching the chip and dale movie was in the in the end credits just seeing the name tress mcneil in the credits with all of these movie mm-hmm. stars and i'm like good yeah she finally gets her day that i thought that was a funny gag too having her just do gadget and gadgets just like yeah, yeah i guess i'm a lot like i am in real life like i am in the show <laughs> that gave me that was the biggest laugh one of the biggest laughs in that movie where it's just I'm going like yeah you know we didn't really change gadgets character she's pretty much the same and voiced by Tress. like we're just doing that <laughs> that was a great you know spoilers hey look if you haven't seen it yet you don't care i don't think the rescue rangers movie but yeah it's the i was happy that i thought the gadget was going to be the secret villain like when the trailers were coming out i was like well there's no big part for gadgets so probably the whole secret villain thing but uh, fortunately it was not that uh, but I guess, too, with this being Lovitz's big return to the show, listeners should go back through the Talking Simpsons archives because we covered this in horrible, horrible detail. But th- this was recorded right after they would have done the critic webisodes. Yes, that's yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, and we watched all of them <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, not good. But uh, yeah. I don't want to waste time here. But yeah. uh, we did put that down into MP3 format about five mm-hmm. years ago. Yes. So check yeah. that out on the Patreon. Uh, this yeah, ep- Jason, do you remember the Icebox webisodes? Of critic i faintly remember the early days of when i because wasn't al Jean? did he also do what was the duck i heard him talk about oh this, queer I duck feel. was mike reese yeah but oh, that, that was, was also on that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. basically if yeah. you wrote for the simpsons they gave you a web cartoon in the year 2000 mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fine yeah i there they should yeah spread the dot com money around like yeah no reason why it's comedy writers away. shouldn't have yeah it's never going away it's like cryptocurrency you know it's like nfts and crypto <laughs> you know it's like how everyone got their quibi money right oh yeah big big quibi money those were that was the web cartoons of 2020 that was you know quibi that was uh in that new movie fire island with joel kim booster there's a great joke in it about how margaret cho's character lost a bunch of money because she invested in quibi uh. which is funny enough but then i find out do it like looking into the movie fire island and joel kim booster originally sold it as a quibi series and they had to find a new home for it so it was actually a quibi scam joke from someone scammed by quibi Ooh, I like yeah. it. wow wow fared better uh you know than just 
It's just the mass the wholesale price that the Roku channel paid for a bunch of Quibi stuff. I see. Yeah, I see my Roku TV saying, "Do you want to watch this?" Yeah. And I, yeah. And I said, "I didn't want to watch it two years ago." <laughs> Look, just uh, show me the lady. Just show me Miss Basil <laughs> with the golden arm. Okay, that's all. I just want to see those fifteen <laughs> seconds. All right, that's all I want to see about this. I mean, I love Reno 911, but I, I don't love it enough to like sift through the Quibi wreckage <laughs> and find like, oh, here's Lieutenant Dangle. He's waiting for me. Uh, okay, so this episode, I do, I want to talk about where it came from. The idea, obviously, a parody of the is it 94 movie yes. uh ind- indecent proposal obviously before this maybe like seven years before this al Jean parodied that on the critic yes uh the reason they did this is because uh head honcho james l brooks this was his idea and when he pitches an idea you don't say no yeah or you don't say that movie's kind of old yep you yeah. say whatever you say boss brilliant idea yes. sir you're there's a reason you've won so many oscars yeah, yeah. uh yeah. and it's very funny on the commentary al Jean is like uh well actually it's more interesting to do a parody of an older movie uh you know <laughs> Like people are doing avatar parodies. This is something different. And uh, Matt Selman, uh, another writer on the show, is is a little troll all the all the time on the commentaries. And he says, "Yeah, we're doing a three part parody of Rob Lowe's Oxford Blues next season." <laughs> I, so uh, yeah, he, z- he zinged him. He zinged I lo- LG. I love those zings. Yeah, the, the Selman zings. They're good. So yeah, uh, parodying that movie, which ha- uh, eight years old at that point. Yeah, and, yeah. And on top of that, like y- if you pull up the season four episode on your DVD, the front, and you listen to the commentary Artie Ziff though voiced by Dan Castellaneta shows up at their reunion and he's like that's right I'm really rich and then Homer says I bet you give it all up for one night with my wife yes I would oh right Homer considers it for a second and then Mark says no so they already did the joke when it actually was a current joke about indecent proposal back in season four on the commentary for that episode you can hear al Gingo like oh we actually did that episode later <laughs> we, we already did that <laughs> hey you know it wrote itself right good idea yeah yeah you know i pulled up indecent proposal on hbo max uh to i had never watched the whole thing before and it's fine like it's but you know what it's not sexy enough like it's trying to sell itself as like ooh, this is kind of like basic instinct but not sexy enough even though you have like three very sexy actors in it robert redford demi moore and woody harrelson and it just it's uh, it's so long and yeah the, and also the best part of it is early in the movie when they need a character to say don't you know who that is it's famous billionaire robert gage or adjacent uh, something gage uh and he's really rich and i'd marry this guy the guy who has to say that is billy bob thornton and he's fucking hilarious and he's like on screen for four minutes and then he's gone and i'm just like no billy bob come back wow i I was reading up on the novel and there are some uh there are a lot of uh i would call strange like racial and political aspects that they did not uh you know add to the adaptation which is for the best Mm -hmm. where uh the writer is a jewish writer uh, so in the um, in the movie, uh, the main character, sorry, in the, in the book, the main character is Jewish and the man who wants to buy his wife is like a rich uh, Middle Eastern like oil baron or something like that. Mm. And of course, uh, this guy writes a lot of uh, uh, he, he writes a lot about his faith. He's also a writer for an Israeli newspaper. So it's a it's a kind of a bit of propaganda. I don't know what you mm. want to call it, but yeah. uh 
I think they made it into a better movie. It was smart to get out of that zone and just be like, no, Robert Redford is the world's handsomest billionaire and he wants to fuck your wife. Like, yeah, what do yeah. you do? Yeah, yeah it, <laughs> it does seem like a level of nuance that uh, hundred multi-hundred-page novels can handle and like a two-hour, 15-minute <laughs> Hollywood blockbuster with massive stars, maybe not the most uh, adept place to try to do that. Yes. <laughs> and I have an interesting fact that only I consider interesting. So uh, on the commentary, the writer of this episode, Tim Long, said um, the the plot about the snoring came from my then-girlfriend, Robin Sayers, uh, who you know was dealing with me snoring and having a hard time with it. And I was like, oh, Robin Sayers, I wonder what she's done. Well, her only writing credit, uh, one of two writing credits, rather, is uh, a 2018 episode of The Simpsons she wrote with Carolyn Omine. That wow. is that is the uh, the Drag Race uh, episode, oh, Working no. Mom. Yeah, Working oh. Mom. I just watched that one recently, actually. Uh, her other credit is uh, the original direct-to-VHS Jerky Boys production, Don't Hang Up, Tough Guy. What? And it's all on YouTube. What? And I was like, well, you know, there's a Jerky Boys movie, of course. What did they do here? Well... It is videos of them pranking MTV employees specifically. Wow. Like, not actual other people. They do some live pranks, but I think to make this video legal, they were able to only prank people at MTV. Wow. So you're only wow. seeing videos of the people on the phone with the funny characters, and there's, like, MTV stuff in the background behind them because they're just in their cubicles or whatever. So You the, better sign this release if yeah. you want to keep your job. Did you pay 30 bucks for Don't Hang Up Tough Guy in 1995? Maybe you did. Uh, but, but that's something that uh, she contributed writing for. Wow. And yeah, who knows what her life is like? Who knows why these are her only two writing credits? But you know, life like, can bring us many places. It wow. can bring us to the Jerky Boys or to the Simpsons. That's sure. amazing. Yeah. You know, the commentary is one I really love because, uh, well, first off, distracting that they keep talking about Avatar because Avatar like just won Oscars or whatever. But also it's because uh, director Lauren McMullen, who we interviewed and was really cool. I love that we've talked so many times on these in the commentary where the animator like kind of gets stepped on by the writer and the writers just talk over them. Laura McMullen does not, uh, like, she's like, yeah, you asked for this and it, I changed it. Or you tried, I tried to change this and you said, no, did, yeah. I won't change it. And they just, she's actually very insistent on stuff, which I really like. And I think Gene actually defers to her more on uh, stuff than he would normally with an animator because she was the president of the Harvard Lampoon. And so she's a fellow lampooner, uh, which which Gene deeply respects, I think. He's, <laughs> so. he's just a afraid of being spoofed that yes like, oh, what, what if she spoofs me <laughs> yeah well, spoofs and goose you never know when they'll pass a law it's like the whiff and poofs could come for your ass you know <laughs> uh, yeah wikipedia for this episode is so interesting because there's so much first off i didn't realize there were this many internet critics re reviewing individual television episodes in 2000 but there's so much about how the movie is old like it's an old movie to cite even though it's kind of like a evergreen reference point very quickly i think became a ubiquitous comedy reference and then the other thing is how uh, they're defensive about that but then they're like and that director ooh, they push the animators really hard there's some complicated sequences and now in 2022 i'm like yeah i guess so was this worth the uh you know like was it is it that complicated <laughs> 
No, I, I think McMullen is pushing. She's, I don't think it's like crazy effort she's putting into it, but I do think she gets to, she goes for more creative stuff than most of the animators were allowed to do back then. Like there's, there's some great drawings of Marge that if you know the internal rules they had in, tw- in season 13, the rules were you don't draw Marge like that. Like that breaks the rules. And I think McMullen was more ready to go like, ah, but it's funny. I'm just going to draw a funny drawing that breaks yeah. the rules or I'll let somebody else draw a drawing. Yeah, and like interesting camera moves uh one of the ones i can think of is like when Artie is on the ground at the prom after marge leaves the camera kind of spins around him Mm -hmm. before he gets back up it's like unnecessary yeah but very cool looking and uh yeah i think mcmullen's episodes are the best looking of this era and she'd be with the show i think like through the movie Mm -hmm. she was one of the directors on the movie yeah it did break her it did break her i think i watched so much in the i was still watching every week in the early 2000s so i i i think i'm just used to it i was just like yeah it's fun it's the 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 going through the internet pipes is great i'm sure it was technically very difficult but it's a great there's a bunch of great gags in there and it looks really cool and and also the time they were recording it she was piped in uh just like me us and jason right now we're in the bay area and he's in los angeles she too was in the bay area working at pixar calling in and so Selman is having some of his trollish fun and it is funny because he's like hey so how coming up that old man doesn't like die falling down all those times or <laughs> or the villain of up is so old he's got to be like 120 or they then ask her like how are cars how do they exist like how does a, is a baby car born and she's just like guys I don't know I don't work was, was she working on uh, I guess she was working on Newt see that's the extra sadness of it that they're asking her all these funny Pixar questions while she is suffering on the film Newt that falls apart as she's working on it like when we asked her about newt it didn't sound like a ha- in our interview it didn't sound like any happy memories for her and i believe she described it as like watching a building slowly fall down like in slow motion just the entire project just fall apart which is is really too bad but so so here she's getting all these joke questions about pixar while her pixar project is falling apart while she's working on it the um yeah the the 2000s disney and pixar stuff that like doesn't go is really interesting have you guys talked about gigantic oh no no we haven't talked about that i think it was called gigantic i now i'm afraid i have it wrong i think it was supposed to be a jack and the beanstalk takeoff and i Mm. i think if i'm remembering right uh it was going to be uh set in brazil and of course they're like oh this is a big hit we could add a brazil pavilion to epcot Mm. and because uh the brazil uh tourists the tourism industry from brazil you often see certain times a year huge tour groups from brazil and so that would have been Mm. like a a home run for them yeah gigantic was a planned computer animated musical comedy oh it was walt disney animation studios nathan greeno and meg lefovo lefovo were set to direct Hmm. yeah and it just didn't uh come together the the ones i wanted to the ones i know about are the canceled films are the ones i wanted to see like newt was one of them another one was uh, american dog that was uh, going to be a chris oh, sanders that so good right yeah. it was going to be a chris sanders movie he directed lilo and stitch that was that was reworked into bolt 
Hey, remember yes. Bolt? Yeah, Bolt. They, they mentioned Bolt on this commentary because oh. James Lipton is there and he's in. James Lipton is there because they recorded commentaries back to back because he's on a different episode in oh. season 12. You know, uh, <laughs> I guess it's time for us. I don't I like uh, I don't know what Jason feels about this, but uh, we have to talk about the that behind the actor studio thing. Mm. We, we, we've complained about it enough on here, but uh, it's the one. Uh, have you seen the behind the actor studio? Uh, is it called behind the actor uh, studio? Inside the, inside the actor studio. That's right. That's right. Inside the actor studio with James Lipton in the cast. It's James Lipton just setting them up to do the line Bart. Yeah. And it's basically like, now, 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 Dan, uh, Homa has a certain kind of food he enjoys. <laughs> well, what, what would Homa say about a donut? What, if, if I presented Homa with a donut, what would he say? Is and then, Homer uh, here Dan with be like, us? Yeah. Is Homer in the room yes, right exactly. now? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's difficult when you have a full hit animated show's voice cast. Yeah, I know, you know, uh, Walter Matthau was here last week, but. We have the cast of The Simpsons this week, so kind of want to hear them do the voices, you know? Yeah, and, and like, he died somewhat recently, and he was shockingly old. He was very old, but, you know, that shoe polish really did the trick. <laughs> it, may, it really is like, he's got to be, like, in his 60s, right? He's like, no, he's, like, 90. Uh, all of the late 90s jokes about his his uh, stuff made him seem new, younger, I guess. Like, the Mr. Show sketch about him, I guess I just imagined David Cross making fun of him, and I thought, like, yeah, he's like a man in his, like, uh, 50s, right? He, di- he was 93 when he died in 2020 oh my god yes it's unbelievable i guess you would have to to be a contemporary of like marlon brando in the same actor school i guess you would have to be that old wouldn't you but uh, he's on the commentary because he's uh, he's in the episode the sweetest apu so i guess they were recording the commentary before uh that one hey look we we schedule recordings the same uh like two in a day as well so i get it i get it it happens happens all of us The Simpsons will be right back. Fox next Sunday. I will give you $1 million to let me spend a weekend with your wife. Can The Simpsons survive an indecent proposal? We can't take his money. I can't take his money. I can't print my own money. Why don't I just lie down and die? The Simpsons, all new at 8, 7 Central, next Sunday on Fox. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert. Welcome to the break and hope you don't need a million dollar offer to keep listening to this podcast because we have a great guest this week, Jason Sharon. And thank you so much to Jason. We love his stuff on Podcast The Ride. You guys should all be checking that out if you still haven't yet. We always love having Jason on. And please check out Podcast Ride and follow him on Twitter. And if you're a fan of this podcast, Talking Simpsons, me and Bob can do this as our full-time jobs. Thanks to the support of Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons subscribers. Subscribers for five bucks month not only get the peace of mind of helping me and bob out but also they get a ton of exclusive content including monthly episodes of talking futurama and talking of the hill of us going through a different classic episode of futurama and king of the hill back to back each month plus a giant back catalog of exclusive podcasts like us covering every episode of the critic of mission hill and our 10 favorite episodes of batman the animated series plus tons and tons more please check it all out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons to see the over one 120 exclusive podcasts you are missing out on.
But if you want a podcast that's even nicer to listen to while you're doing your dangerous oil refinery job, sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons because you get all of the $5 things I just mentioned. And then you get our exclusive What a Cartoon movie podcast where me and Bob cover an animated feature film super duper in depth, just like we do The Simpsons, meaning we talk for often over five hours, sometimes even over six hours about an animated feature film. We're just wrapping up our summer of Disney renaissance right now where we're covering the rescuers down under this month and the previous months we covered Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. And we have a giant back catalog of covering a huge diverse list of movies like Shrek, South Park Bigger and Longer and Uncut, Akira, Millennium Actress, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and tons and tons more. And that includes our six and a half hour podcast about who framed Roger Rabbit, if you haven't checked that one out yet. Please sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons to hear it all. Well, okay, enough preamble. Let's let's get into the episode itself, which is, I would call, too many movie references. That's what I'd call this episode. I mean, uh, too many songs. I think we yeah, need to start counting. Uh, a hallmark of this Al Jean era is uh, a lot of montages, but also a lot of licensed music. And usually the joke behind the licensed song is, yes, we use the most obvious song. And in this episode, there are, uh, I counted seven licensed songs too in this much. episode, uh, which uh, feels like a record, but maybe he'll break that record. I, I think he will. You see, you know, the, the Mike Scully era, we made fun of the fact that he would always use one band, NRBQ, a band you've never heard of. Al Jean is changing like, no, I'm going to hear uh, use songs you've all heard of. Yes. And the, the most obvious song every time. And I'll just name them really quick. Uh, so we have All I Have to Do is Dream, Wooly Bully, Georgie Girl, Suicide is Painless, Disco Inferno, Precious and Few, and Sweet Dreams are Made of This. And the great thing about this is, and I mentioned this before, is that Disney has to pay for this. Any other <laughs> streaming show uh, on TV, like if you watch an episode of 90210 or Melrose Place or whatever, they would just jam those shows full of popular songs. They're all gone now. But there must be some special clause for The Simpsons in which, like, no, you have to pay the Eurythmics when you buy half piece of proposal. <laughs> uh, it feels like no other show gets this deal for yeah. but The Simpsons. I wonder if Gene just had, like, so much money. Like, like the budget's this big, and if you don't spend it all, you lose it. He's like, all right, then I better just keep keep getting songs. But, uh, oh, and you know what? The chalkboard gag this week, it seems to be a response to the episode from three weeks earlier, Sweets and Sour Marge, where we talked about one of the best jokes in that episode is they throw Butterfingers into the fire, and then the fire spits out the Butterfingers because even the fire doesn't want Butterfingers because <laughs> they're dealing with Butterfingers with Up, and so they're making fun of Butterfingers. Butterfingers. And so this week's chalkboard gag, uh, you know, don't bite the butterfinger that, uh, or the hand that feeds you that's but, uh, butterfingers or something. So it's them reflecting that. It sounds like Butterfinger was not happy about uh, the the attack on their quality. Yeah, I think I think nowadays it's like, well, if someone makes fun of your product, I don't know, wait two days, everyone will talk about something else insane. <laughs> you know, Arby's turned it into a, a pro for them. Like when there were jokes about it all the time, time on the john stewart did honestly too much they're like yeah hey john stewart mm -hmm. good good all the good fun we we love you johnny yeah i yeah arby's was that was another ubiquitous punchline in the late 90s early 2000s and still going strong mm -hmm. they make it they're fine they're fine yeah i 
I like uh, I like the chicken fingers and I like the roast beef and the curly fries, but I don't seek it out, I guess. Well, and Jason, you're a treats expert. Well, what do you feel about Butterfinger? You know, I it sticks in my teeth a lot. It always has. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I hear they uh, did they change the formula a couple years ago? It seemed the same to me. I didn't yes. really notice anything. We talked about it on that episode and one of our commenters said, yes, they changed it completely to the point where they should just call it a new candy. So mm. I guess me Maybe there's less like like molar excavation you need to do after you're done eating one, but fundamentally it's a different candy bar now, and I'm I'm very curious about uh, trying a, a new Butterfinger and then complaining online. They <laughs> yeah. took it from us. <laughs> they took this is what they took from you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so they have a quick joke about comic book guy sleeping surrounded by Star Wars things and that he loves Jar Jar Binks. You know. Well, we, we, yeah, we all know only n- stupid nerds like Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. It's only for the biggest fattest nerds who sleep in their in their Wookiee pajamas. Yeah, I. But a Jar Jar joke to early 2002 eh, almost feels a little old to me. Pretty well, well. Episode two wasn't out. Yeah, pretty fast by uh, Simpsons production uh, standards of the 2000s. Um, I remember that jo- very distinctly. Remember that joke and remember a line at the end that has been glued in my mm. mind since it aired. Uh, that's where, for literally eight seconds, they play "All I Have to Do Is Dream." The song is not needed. And it could have saved some money. Like, just don't spend $20,000 on that song. Just to have twinkly music. It let me know people were dreaming. Ugh, God, I hate that. <laughs> but, but so it's cut through with Homer snoring and Marge's exasperated look on her face. Like, I love the drawings of Marge's face, her being super tired. It's just so funny. Also, the drawings of Homer snoring through his eyeballs. I think those are very funny drawings, too. <laughs> I had a big snoring problem myself, which uh, was fixed with something that Homer doesn't have in this episode, which is a CP machine like right. i i sleep with a cpap and it does eliminate your snoring so you, you said uh, they weren't commercially available around this time or they were probably pretty rare i'm guessing i don't think they were as heavily prescribed then as honestly now like i feel like i was the doctor just saw dollar signs as i said <laughs> hey i i think i have extreme sleep apnea and they're like well do we have something for you uh, right this way sir yeah but but it does actually work. Like I sleep way better with it. I've been using it for like nine years. I you're also alive, much, so yeah, I also yeah, that's did proof. Not, I, I have severe, severe sleep apnea. Even if they do overprescribe it, like they they told me I'm, that was one of the most terrifying phone calls I've ever got in my life. So I take the test, and they're like, "Oh, you have super duper severe sleep apnea, like some of the worst we've ever seen." Anyway, so we'll give you that CPAP in like a week or something. I was like, "But I could die." Uh, try sleeping <laughs> upside down. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, yeah, my stepdad has used one of those for a long time, and it is. I my mom does describe it as like night and day. I remember we shared when I was looking at colleges, we shared a hotel room one time, and I was just like. I went and I was like, I'm going to sleep in the entryway, like, because I got to get away from this snore. This is awful. Like, my brother is kind of a snorer, too. So if I go, if we we ever travel and share a room, I usually have earplugs in my travel bag. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, my, my brother had to, one of the last times I shared a hotel room with my brother on a family trip was like three months before I got a CPAP machine. And that was partially what got me to do it was my brother was like, I literally can't sleep. You snore this bad. I, I cannot take it. Yeah. And, uh, and this was also when, when a 
a colleague of Bob and mine's in the world of the games press literally died from sleep apnea, which also Jeez. made me go, like, oh, this, is, this is pretty serious. Yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, back then in 2002, the only time I remember seeing a CPAP machine on TV was Junior Soprano was hmm. prescribed it in an episode of Sopranos. And it was a joke about like this old man, he needs a machine to breathe. Like I remember my stepdad having a snoring problem. And I think my mom bought him those, uh, those strips you put on your nose to mm. open up the airways. I don't know if those really worked though i, I, I feel like it's a, a it's like a throat thing it's like it's like going on inside of your body not necessarily like pulling your nostrils apart will help you yeah that's that's what i've been told too yeah when homer would later get prescribed a cpap machine in a season 26 episode but uh doesn't help him he actually like swallows it uh, that, that's <laughs> a joke but but yeah but now now in real in it's it's much more mainstream cpap stuff not only uh, actually in in the bear community <laughs> of, of gay guys it actually is like a joke like i've seen bear tiktoks of guys like going like yeah we all wear i saw one hilarious tiktok of three different bears putting on their cpap machines <laughs> uh and it was to the danger zone theme so they were pretending <laughs> like they're in top gun i think uh, cpaps are going to become like vr they'll just get smaller and smaller over time mm. let's come <laughs> you know, Happy sure. Hogan, he even sleeps with a CPAP on in uh, the newest Spider-Man movie. So even your favorite Marvel superheroes use, uh, <laughs> use a CPAP. Marge can't sleep. It's the next day. She serves Bart a plant with milk in it and Lisa a pile of old Time magazine celebrating AOL. Uh, the, the AOL Time Warner merger is already falling apart by this time. So that's that's why that's the joke of AOL rules, meaning it's old. And I do love the joke that Bart's going to try to turn in March to get a form letter from Dick Cheney. <laughs> like, that's a really good line. Some of the, like, like they wrote this right before 9-11. Some of the, like, few shots they get in at that administration before they're, like, hands off. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can feel you can feel the moments like that yeah mm -hmm. yeah is that after 9 11 they're like no everybody loves the president can't do it uh, no, we're, we're all united together no more of these jokes the, but so did any of you guys ever hear this joke that doctors play golf on wednesdays i had never heard of this myth before mm. but then when i googled it it's like uh it took me to multiple articles that were like yes we all know that doctors play their golf games on wednesdays but now and it's like no. wait really that's a thing i i just know doctors golf yeah doctors because it's, golf. it's a rich man's hobby but i didn't know wednesday was like the doctor golfing uh free for all apparently it's a real thing yeah okay or was a real thing i the way it is done in the show i was like oh this must be like a common knowledge sort of reference that they're referencing i did know the the gag that doctors love to golf and i also knew from my parents they always made it sound like such a burden to get an appointment at the doctor's office and then when i started calling the doctor's office i was like i got an appointment in two hours you just call and you sound really frantic and they squeeze you in <laughs> i was just I just called and I was like, I need to see someone now. And they're like, all right, you can come in tomorrow. <laughs> I, I also knew the doctors play golf joke because on Curb Your Enthusiasm, I feel like a third of all episodes are Larry goes golfing with his doctor and they, get, right. they, they argue about something. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's something... That's similar to something uh, that Calvin and Hobbes author Bill Watterson complained about. He's like, when all of these comic strip guys get old and out of touch, all the characters start going golfing constantly because that's all they're doing. Yep, it's yeah. like Snoopy's <laughs> golfing, uh, Dagwood's golfing, Hagar's golfing. Everybody, the Wizard of It is fucking golfing. Yeah, complaining about uh, their teenage children and golfing. Like, that's <laughs> that's where it always ends up. And that's where we get song number two, yes. uh, Wooly Bully. So there you go. So is that, a, okay, so that to me says mailbox baseball 
Like, that's a funny misdirect. They're like, oh, you think he's golfing, but he's actually smashing mailboxes with a golf club while Dr. Nick is driving. And I looked up like, okay, what what reference is this from? Because mailbox baseball is in many things, but my guess is it's from Dazed and Confused where they do it hmm. with, uh, with a baseball bat, which would also fit with... Wooly Bully's not in Dazed and Confused, but it is the type of song you would think would be in there. But God, again, yeah. Wooly Bully, it's not needed. Like it's not, we don't need that song. The joke works fine. It's the joke that I feel like that song is just there to be like, hey, remember like Animal House where that song's in it? Well, this is kind of like this. I mean, they do an Animal House, right? Well, hey, the family of Sam the Sham gets a <laughs> lot of money from that. <laughs> The Pharaohs uh, That was briefly Mike and my's uh, improv team, our Harold team, years ago. That was one of our walkout songs. I think we had like four <laughs> or five. And then, oh, that's, uh, that's I, a- I, I, yeah, it was a perfect, it was a good vibe. It was a good vibe to come out to. Uh, and so they head to the doctor's office. This is when uh, uh, Marge says she hasn't slept this poorly since little Barty had the scoots, which I, I believe is a cute mom way of saying diarrhea, I believe. <laughs> I love Homer handing back the thing that says do it to free do it for free to hibbert like, this is like this feels like a simpler time when they'll actually tell you up front how much a thing will cost at the doctor's office oh yeah yeah it's simpler uh though it's still about how you can't afford surgery like that's that's what the joke yeah. is but see this is before that hmo doctors just go like oh i see i can sell you for a hundred dollar copay an 800 dollars cpap machine all right here you go like there i sold another one but i make those jokes even though i absolutely need a cpap and and welcome it i also think they maybe over prescribe it yeah. just a little bit oh there are cpap yeah, abusers yeah. out there <laughs> <laughs> so then after that uh it cuts to homer snoring and i love that homer's doing the cartoony <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> me. that's so great i i love hearing you should just sound. be blowing a feather in the air it comes back down <laughs> that's the only thing it's missing uh and man, Marge, Marge losing it and being so tired, like falling asleep on the doorstep. And then she nearly kills her children. And the way she, when she falls asleep while driving and then rolls out of the car and falls asleep while rolling, I was like, man, that's funny. That's Marge never gets to have Just wacky, funny jokes like that. Being like blissfully rolling down a hill. Yes. Yeah, like Abandoning her children. Uh, finally, I can rest. That is a fun running gag on The Simpsons. I don't know if they still do it, but like. An adult gets out of the car and then just whoever, whatever kids are in the car just take over without really, (laughs) sometimes they freak out and sometimes they just roll with it. I love Milhouse asking Lisa to the harvest dance and her saying like, it's not a good time. He's like, it's never a good time. That is a uh, great line. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Al Jean is back, and so are Patty and Selma. Yes. And I, and I welcome them. I love Patty and Selma, and uh, I love this uh, this set piece of uh, you know Marge going there and watching TV with them. It's great. I, I love yeah. everything involving them, and I think they rule. I mean, the jokes about them here are like, aren't these disgusting women annoying? Look at these pigs. Yeah, like, but yeah. Now I'm like, they're hilarious. I love them. They're so comfortable with who they are. Yes. Yeah. Here's uh, in our first clip. This is when Marge comes to stay with her sisters. So, Lisa, do you have a date for the Harvest Dance? This is not a good time. It's never a good time. (gasps) Overnight bag? No husband in sight. It's happened. She left Homer? I'll get the champagne and let's get that ring off. Whoa, 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 Delilah. I didn't leave Homer, and I never will. I just need one night away from his snoring. Great. We'll have a girl's night. No bras. <laughs> she can only remove her bra with a wire cutter. That's how strong her bra is. <laughs> I love that. I, 
there's a lot in here. First off, the uh, the return of champagne, which is a real drink, uh, which we already talked we talked about a long time ago. Because in I Married Marge, Marge gets drunk the night uh, they conceive Bart on champagne. Right. From what yeah. I understand, it's malt <laughs> liquor designed to taste like champagne. Correct. Yes, it's malt liquor uh, distilled in a certain way that it tastes like wine. Yes. Wow, it's really impressive all the things malt liquor can do. <laughs> it gets a bad rap it's this cheap thing but really it's uh, it's so useful it comes yeah. in the biggest cans <laughs> yeah now it's seltzer now they they make it into seltzer and everyone loves it hmm. uh, we all i i love it a lot <laughs> what can't seltzer do then meanwhile marge's whoa 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 delilah is a reference to tom jones's song delilah where the line is why 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 delilah and you know marge is a tom jones fan so that's this really true. this really works out for her and that's and that's the song also that homer sings in the shower and homer the heretic so another another double upped reference here uh i was dating someone at the time who was a big fan of sex in the city okay and i told her uh the joke uh it's a show where four single women act like gay men uh my girlfriend at the time did not like that joke (laughs) she was like it's a good show but this comes from the same school of, of thought as uh, we previously did an episode in which there's a view parody and it feels like all the men writers are like, our fucking wives make us watch this <laughs> trash and we hate it. Yes. And the claws come out now. They can finally make fun of these awful women. Oh, I was going to say in college, you know, in the way that all all uh, guys in the early 2000s who liked movies had whatever the $10 DVDs were, Fight Club, Donnie Darko, Boondock Saints, uh, I feel like... When I would uh, go to women's dorms, there was usually at least one or two seasons of Sex in the City. When I actually sat down and watched it a little in college, I was like, oh, it's all right. This is pretty well written. People, I feel like everyone just talks about like the shoes and Cosmos, but like there are jokes in here. <laughs> Like I was like, oh, it's a yeah. There's a lot of jokes in here. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, show. I, I think people were yeah. thinking uh, the 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 parodies are like a show for women. Yeah, well, this seems yeah. odd. But also like women enjoy sex jokes or yeah. like well, and to and Kim Cattrall like she's uh, there's all the main four actresses in it are great uh, though. Like Kim Cattrall like runs away with that show, which is I. And then on top of that, too, though, there was all this alarming Mullen references it on the commentary a little. She's like, oh, you wanted me to frame these shots with a lot more like one person close ups as a reference to how the women film a lot of stuff separately because they're like there's trouble on the set. <laughs> and, and even <laughs> then it was like people knew that Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall All right. didn't get along. And that's why uh, Samantha is not on the new show that's yeah. not called Sex in the and the City. I, I, every time my brain wants to call it Sex in the City, it's it's and the city. It's, it's not they're not doing it in the city. Well, I guess they are. They are doing oh, do a boy. Do they do it? It's, in the city? it's sex, comma, yeah. and the city. Uh, Wait, what's the new show called? I, it's stupid, and just like that. Okay, and, Jason. And yeah, what what is the official? What is the actual name? Because I've gotten this wrong for years. It's sex and the city. And 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 yes. okay, it is and. I had to triple what, check that. Yeah, I especially where I grew up, growing up outside of Philadelphia, everyone just runs every word into every other word. So like every now and then my girlfriend will be like, I can't understand you. Like say that again much slower. I don't know what you said. I, I mean, well, the jokes in this episode about sex in the city are very mean that like one that everybody has to laugh at their own jokes too much to let you know it's a joke. So it's, it's right 
writers complaining like oh these writers think they're so clever yeah like uh the, the parody is inaccurate so shame on them but i i watched a lot of sex in the city uh sex and the city 20 years ago uh, and they weren't laughing at their own jokes in the show really that wasn't like a hallmark of of the the show oh no yeah yeah like, i didn't Sam- think samantha so. yeah samantha would say something catty and they just like clink glasses or whatever and <laughs> yes. that was it yeah no i it is crazy to me that they rebooted it and didn't get her back i understand her not wanting to come back it sounds like she had a bad time a lot of the time but she's like the funniest one yeah i i had heard a quote about her saying that like at my age i don't want to spend one hour of my life doing anything i don't enjoy which was her reasoning <laughs> for not doing it but fair uh, enough well now and uh and now my new favorite still on the show is cynthia cynthia nixon and that is because she conforms with my political beliefs which is the only thing i want out of an actor me too yes Uh, cynthia nixon does seem very cool she does no i like her a lot there were all these i told you so's about how like boy remember when she ran against andrew cuomo and everybody's like no 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 this guy's the pro here what do we want some actress in charge (laughs) who likes bernie sanders no way good times i forgot that she ran against didn't yeah yeah, didn't really work out didn't work out in the long run (laughs) there's uh so this is a very of its time parody another thing i noticed is that when they cut back to patty and selma and marge uh you know and patty is saying this is so like our lives she's holding something and i identified it as a biore strip one of those Oh, that's what it, yes. I thought it was a bandaid. It's a Bjorn. You're right. Yes, yeah. one, one of those strips you pull on your no- you put on your nose and rip it off. You could see like what's going on on my nose. Your filthy, filthy pores. This was here the entire time. Yes. But yeah, that's what she has on her uh, on her in her hand. She like throws it in the ashtray or something. So it looks like a hairy bandaid when really it's just the filth of her pores. Yes, uh, on there. I hey, see. our pores, our our pores are all that filthy. Mm. I do like the detail in this of Marge and her sisters getting together, having a couple glasses of wine and getting a little sleazy and like mean and stuff. Like I, I feel like even having beers with the fellas, you don't have that sort of camaraderie. You know, you don't have that sort of girls night camaraderie. Yeah. This also felt like a new thing back then of like, wait, women get together and drink and watch a show they enjoy? What the hell is this? (laughs) Women do this? Yeah, there's there's a little of that to it. But well, well, here, I have the quick clip of Nookie in New York. Let's catch the tail end of Nookie in New York. Nookie in New York? It's a cable show about four single women who act like gay men. That sounds great. If I'm not having sex by the end of this goat cheese quesadilla, I'm going to scream. I also enjoy sex. Since this morning, I've had sex with a New York Nick, two subway cops, and a guy who works on Wall Street. Broker? Nah, she's just really sore. (laughs) (laughs) This is so like our lives. It's like they hit a camera in our apartment. (laughs) Coming up next on BHO, it's Arliss. I, I have I never love an attack on Arliss. I've never seen Arliss. I, I do remember uh, in the nineties, David Letterman would make fun of Arliss a lot, <laughs> but he would not be specific. He just be, he just say, uh, "You see Arliss, Paul? You ever watch Arliss? <laughs> Arliss?" And that that'd be that the most. Is, uh, that'd be basically the extent of it. We only ever had HBO on like free free weekend from Comcast, you know, um, of HBO. So I only knew Arliss as a reference on like the simpsons or late night uh the george lucas talk show guys are like robert wool is a great sport he we watched <laughs> in the band i believe they watched all of our lists with robert wool oh. in the pandemic wow 
Wow, that's impressive. You, Bat, yeah. Batman's Robert Wool? That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's it's not, right. He, yeah. he created the show too. So Arliss is like the like the most Robert Wool show you can ever get. Which, and you know what? If you never caught it back in the nineties, all seven seasons on HBO Max, oh, you can God. watch them all. If like. there's another quarantine, I know where I'll be. <laughs> and Arliss was about to go off the air. It would go off the air in September of two thousand and two. So they're getting their shots in now. <laughs> kicking, kicking while they're down. I mean. Comedy writers hated Arliss. Yeah, I I used to complain a lot because HBO Max took so long to get on Roku. But now that it's been like a year or two. It's like they got a really deep bench. HBO Max, if you had to pay for one of them, HBO Max might be the one to do. It's, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of, good, but it doesn't have Tracy Takes On because that's too no, racist. No it's Tales from the weird. Crypt either. Come yeah, on. you know what? Come that, on, guys. I want Tales. That kind of pisses me off. Tales from the Crypt isn't there. I, I also know Arliss is like from hearing, as a Mr. Show super fan, hearing how much the Mr. Show writers hated Arliss. Right. That they felt oh, right. that, yeah. that Arliss took all their money and advertising budget and that Mr. Like HBO would never promote for your consideration stuff for Mr. Show. They'd only do it for Arliss. And they'd tell on the commentary of one Mr. Show DVD, they tell the story of them seeing an Arliss ad in a magazine tearing it out putting it in the toilet and I believe it's Brian Posehn takes an actual dump on it <laughs> and they then took a photograph of that and sent it to HBO and he's a big guy yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how writers rooms were back then you take pictures of your friend shit yeah your, your penis comes out sometimes <laughs> yes, it's yeah. a 90s writers room yeah, it's, it's all 90s. fun there's no women there to complain about it there certainly weren't in the writers room for mr show that's for sure yeah. and uh, i think the joke about uh women that sound like gay men is because the creator of the show was gay right darren star <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, and many other writers on it were gay and it was a gay friendly show for sure like Mar mario cantone uh he became very famous on it uh, among other gay guys as well though i think uh there's some guys in that show that weren't actually gay or at least like not out the the willie guy who just passed away i can't remember if he was gay or not who played hmm. uh sarah jessica parker's gay best friend in the show but anywho yeah i don't know that's a good question i don't know if he was it's uh nowadays you know it's uh we all accept that like yeah don't don't put it straight person in a gay role let a gay actor play the gay person like stop uh let, we're, we're past that now even tom hanks is like yeah i wouldn't do philadelphia now i just saw that recently he's mm. like yeah i i wouldn't do that now <laughs> it was important for the time but uh not not so good now but so now we come to the big turn in the episode after they they switch away from our list very quickly to not have to see any of it this is when marge learns uh and and patty and selma who loved Artie ziff and his original appearance in the way we was they learn that he is the internet billionaire uh which like that was a story back then of like oh that guy that nerd from high school he's actually an internet billionaire how do you like that uh which you know, I, I feel like I was uh, every sitcom, ha like 30 Rock had one of those, for hmm. instance, I, I remember. But uh, most yeah, of did. Yeah, a topical reference, a very topical reference, I think, of the early 2000s. And I think, too, with this bit of, of Love It's Coming Back, like, it's him singing Georgie Girl. So it's also, they're giving in to all of the Love It's-isms in this. Yeah. They're like, all right, Love It's is going to sing. He's going to say, I'm R.T. Ziff. They, all the silly stuff they used to cut. They wouldn't let him say, I'm R.T. Ziff in the way we was yes, that was an ad lib yeah. they cut out but they let him do it they let him scream it in this episode you know and after a <laughs> after lg working with love is for a decade he's like ah forget it let's just go all the way let's have all the stupid crap he says yeah why not yeah it's 
not hurting anyone, you know? <laughs> and once again, Al Jean, uh, on the commentary, he says, Lovitz isn't here, so I'll play him for a minute. And he just sings a song about how everyone in the room is gay. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess Lovitz's bit when he was doing The Critic is uh, to tell the creators, Al Jean and Mike Reese, that they were both gay and they kiss each other and have sex with each other and stuff. Yeah. It's a fun bit. It's a and he did it every time he recorded. Yeah, every single time he saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, not great. Uh, real different time. I mean, you do have to, you do think about it, go like, oh yeah, that was like 30 years ago. And if you go from 1950 to 1980, that's a pretty big leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, I also think too, you know, Lovitz, so Lovitz had not appeared on the show since the critic crossover, which was very controversial internally, as, as Mike Reese uh, talks about in his book, that as, as we've talked about with uh, him and also Bill Oakley. So the crossover was seen by the current then season six Simpsons writers as this is beneath us. This is stupid and bad. And Mike, Mike Matt Groening hated it so much he took his name off of the episode. So from then on, Lovitz didn't appear on The Simpsons for the next uh, seven years until this episode, uh, back when Gene's in charge and got Lovitz back on the show. And there'd be a whole lot of Lovitz after that. But I think that Lovitz drought was also the like Lovitz didn't like that Mike uh, that Matt Groening was so negative about his episode. I, yeah. I think that also was it. Yeah, I I loved the crossover as a kid i i thought it was so funny i was so excited i think by by that point the critic was in heavy syndication on comedy central uh when i started watching it at least um so i thought it was fun it's a shame that it was such a everyone's uh in comedy people are all insane you know (laughs) I, I did want to ask Jason if he ever went to the John Lovitz Comedy Club. Uh, I believe it was part of City Walk. Uh, it was open from 2009 to 2014. It was open. I never made it up there. I didn't go to the main room, which is uh, very odd. It is a massive, uh, it's multi-tiered. Like, I think it was three stories, which if you've ever been a comedy club, I wouldn't design it that way. Um <laughs> Uh, it's like one or two with the the Upright Citizens Brigade theaters later on. Just the highest ceilings. And it's like, no. What, did you <laughs> consult none of your regular? Like, why would you do this? This is a terrible idea. Love it. Very odd. The, the three stories tropical island themed because he loved started <laughs> loving hawaiian shirts at some point i d- also did not make it up to the short-lived smod uh, kevin smith podcast lounge which right. uh, kind the, of ahead of its time honestly yeah yeah the that love its stand-up thing may no i mean i would guess he did stand up before but i don't think of him yeah. as a stand-up performer he's a comedic actor well yeah you when know? you think of him you're like oh yeah the fun characters the fun you know supporting roles but you don't think like oh remember that great John Lovitz bit about, you know, uh, airline peanuts or whatever. It, it just doesn't come up. Yeah. You know, it's just a certain weird string of like handshake licensing. If you look up Vegas, I don't know which ones are active. But for a, a, a while, there was the Brad Garrett Comedy Club. There was the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club at, like, big strip hotels. And it's just that, like, they're getting a segment of tu- of tourism where people recognize big names that have been around for a long time. 
and maybe they're not like maybe they're not like the most stand up stand. They're not like a you know a true a diet in the world like a real stand like a John Mulaney or a Taylor Tomlinson like these people who are like really good at current current stand ups. I I'm I'm currently reading uh, Yelp reviews uh, archive Yelp reviews of this place. Oh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some good ones. Yeah. Uh, so this is a from a from a person in Cleveland. They say uh, if you want to pick a good time to come, I would say Wednesday. That's when John Lovett's headlines. I don't think I could ever get enough uh, songs and jingles about how Bob Saget is allegedly gay. Oh, so wow. That's, still that's his it. bit. Still that's that's, that's <laughs> the thing he does. Oh, wow. Just like, you're gay. Wow. You, know, you know, I think that was actually the last time I saw Lovett's in the news was him, you know, with an R.I.P. Bob Saget message, like, uh, which was uh, was sweet. But wow. It's, so hey, still folks, doing you know this. what Saget rhymes with? Yeah. Mm, I I'm, don't know. I'm, sure, oh, I'm sure he said that. I'm sure he said that. <laughs> I'm certain. I'm certain. Of that. Yeah. Yes. If you want to see the remnants, the sign is still up uh, at, at City Walk eight years later. And then uh, also, if you if you go uh, like try to figure out where you are spatially, go like around the corner from Johnny Rockets, and you'll find an elevator with a the you know a lock on. Like that is the <laughs> artist entrance elevator. So uh, you can wow. There's City Walk is an amazing place. It's it's like a fucking uh, wasteland <laughs> right now. There's so many empty storefronts, but you can see so many relics of what was there before. So many fallen brothers, huh? So many fallen brothers, as we say on the show. I uh, they are finally getting us Starbucks again. That you have to go to the second floor to get to, which is. One of the most perplexing design decisions I may have ever seen. God. Uh, I also regret to tell everybody that as of 2011, John Lovitz was in the Yelp comments replying to people. Oh, my God. Of course he was. Of course he was. So uh, that's where he was uh, about a decade ago. Well, you know what, Jason? I was just in uh, Las Vegas enjoying uh, pro wrestling and not enjoying getting COVID. Uh, But I I stayed in the MGM Grand, and I can confirm the Brad Garrett Comedy Club is still open and still uh, named after Brad Garrett. So still going strong in 2022. Good. Yeah, I mean, good for that. Yeah, I, I a lot of those Vegas comedy clubs, like, you book regular touring comics, but in terms of mm-hmm. who is the figurehead, who is the masthead, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be the brother from every everybody loves Raymond. You know, I almost consider going to some stand up while I was there, but I had to like research, like, no, no, that's a Trump guy. No, that's a Trump guy. Like, that's uh, <laughs> obviously I was not gonna go to see Terry Fator. That was not uh, that wasn't gonna happen that night, but. Kind of a minefield seeing. I, I I worked, one of my first jobs was interning at, it was just called the Comedy Festival. It was the H- HBO was putting it on. It was like the Aspen Festival that was so big and so important for so many years. So they tried to do one in Vegas and mm. uh, to mixed results. Uh, yeah, it only lasted like two years and it was very fun. But a lot of people were just getting free comp tickets to like shows so they'd be like hammered watching you know, sarah silverman <laughs> i i have one last uh john lovett's comment to uh read you guys because oh, oh he, w- he was really a hands-on businessman i mean he wasn't <laughs> being cast in anything or auditioning for things or being asked to be in things so i guess this is what he was doing someone was complaining about how awful the kevin smith the hollywood babylon live podcast was like this this guy sucks he's not funny <laughs> 
And John Lovitz replies with, uh, Brian, I highly recommend you use your computer to research the shows and performers you plan to watch in the future and not just badmouth the show and performers you obviously had no idea about prior to attending. Wow. He's man. getting into it in the comments, man. folks. <laughs> I I don't I feel like that was a thing that I would say when I was young. I didn't know it comes back around that you got to start telling mm. unhappy people like, "Well, did you do your research? Did you do your research for this fun thing you were going to?" Uh, I I've talked about it with theme parks that like, "Oh, tired dads never want to do their it's like, but if you're if you're spending thousands on a theme park trip, you might want to read that like the read the brochure a little, you know? But if you're going to a comedy club, I think you just expect, like, yeah, I'm going to laugh. You know, my dad hated all theme parks, so that when we would go to them, he wasn't going to study up on a thing he was sure he was going to hate regardless. So he's, he, he didn't care to know any of it. It's, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get to, despite living in Florida, I didn't get to go to as many theme parks as I would have liked because my dad uh, hated them and saw them as uh, too expensive, which, hey, I agree, you know, it isn't cheap, but... Yeah, but then again, he's spending, yeah. he's spending it all on the ponies anyway. That's what I say. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Hey, look, they are expensive. Uh, your kids kids are really into them, and some adults are really into them. You know, so like you got to give a little. You got to compromise a little and go sometimes. But uh, yeah, I I say this. I say like, yeah, do like 10 minutes and read, read up on like the good time to show up, the good time to have lunch. But that said, it's all so fucking confusing nowadays. I understand if people are more overwhelmed now than in the 90s where there was like one printout brochure, you know? Mm -hmm. If I have to explain Genie Plus to somebody by sharing three different 20 minute videos from different lifestyle Disney bloggers, I'm like, well, that this is too much to ask of a normal person. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I when we we did an episode about it um and I found one infographic and I was like, "Okay, when I look at this, it's it, it kind of makes sense." And then I found another and another and I'm like, "Uh-oh. Not great. <laughs> Too many infographics." But okay, back to the episode. So uh, they have a, a rather dated joke about modem noises that it uh, changes into a, a song when Lovitz plays it or when Artie Ziff's machine plays it. And also their redesign of current Artie Ziff just is Mike Reese. They, they yeah. just drew Mike Reese there. Well, uh, a fun <laughs> fact comes out on the commentary uh, because Dan Castellaneta was not on the commentary for the way we was. He brings up the fact that he created the design for Artie Ziff because during the recording for the way we was, he typically will doodle on his script. He doodled what he thinks Artie Ziff should look like during that recording session. He showed it to the director, and David Silverman turned that into the design. So that is the one character design by Dan Castellaneta is Artie Ziff. That was really cool. Yeah. That was really cool to learn. Yeah. Uh, and so, and they when, said we're not paying you for this. Yes, yeah, you get paid enough. <laughs> uh, this is when Marge is asked why she didn't end up with Artie Ziff, and you know, this is a very 2002 thing of like, well, yeah, then he, this man assaulted me, and so I. But they they play it for laughs a little too much, but that's, that's how things were back then. They wouldn't do that joke now of like, oh yes, remember when the man on my prom date assaulted me? That was sad. Like, but I guess to their joke is that he's a little shrimp, and that Marge feels no like physical threat from him so it's a joke but yeah it's it's kind of it's it's depressing really uh one choice i like is that they don't just use old footage Uh, like i i i recalled in my head oh they just they cut to old footage no they kind of create their own like montage yeah yeah but that's when the twins get marge drunk and they well they have to because it's 2002 they first must explain what an email is before they send it (laughs) 
I suppose I could write him a letter. Are you nuts? Email, female. You just tell us what you want to say. <laughs> okay. Hold on to your hats. Dear Artie. <laughs> Dear Hottie. Congratulations on your recent TV appearance. I want to sex you up. Your love slave, Marge. <gasps> you can't use the word sex on the internet. Watch me. <laughs> mm. oh! Antitrust suit, antitrust suit. <sighs> a note from Marge Simpson? Well, isn't that a coincidence? I was just thinking about her. For the last 20 years. <laughs> All the Marge art around him is really well done. Yeah, I yeah. Know. I like the different uh, interpretations of Marge. <laughs> And, and, of course, those antitrust suits, a reference to Microsoft being sued in an antitrust suit in 1998, settled in 2001. And when I read the results of the settlement, I was like, that is like a, a little slap on the wrist. Like, it, uh, it leads to the world we live in now, mm -hmm. today. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I was going to ask, has there really been a big antitrust suit, like, in a long time? Yeah, I think the Microsoft one was the last one. And what it resulted in was just Microsoft agreeing to make some of the programs that they have as freeware for uh, up to the year 2008 that mm. was it I, I don't in the wikipedia article on it it does not say that there was like a they didn't have to pay any money there was no like monetary penalty when they they agreed mm. to the settlement which i was like well then uh, the, no wonder microsoft is only bigger now than it was then uh when it got the antitrust suit but you know what with that the text of that email i understand already jumping to those conclusions like the her sisters literally say like I want to sex you up. Like they, he, why wouldn't he assume Marge wants to have sex with him and leave uh, Homer for him? Yeah, that's fair. And uh, I also like that Marge. I really do like the wind up of Marge being drunk, and she's like, "Okay, here goes." Dear Artie, like, yeah. that's, that's a good job. You think it's going to be them uh, manipulating every sentence she says, but they just go off on their own direction. So yeah. they start by changing Dear Artie into Dear Hottie <laughs> and then changing her next sentence to something completely different that sounds nothing like what she said. Uh, and yeah, he's uh, it's great to hear John Lovitz. Uh, he's a great voice actor, and they, they let him do all of his shtick here. Mm -hmm. And every character he plays sounds like John Lovitz. Mm -hmm. As, uh, in the next Artie Ziv episode in two seasons, they just do that joke where it's him and all of his other previous characters sitting together at a bar and they all sound the same which is a good joke so it comes to the next morning marge has slept well so she's doing her mother's job of uh, making breakfast for everyone as she must do and finally she slept enough to be a good mother again uh, but so then when a helicopter lands on their lawn this is a new running joke i've only just noticed in the show so in jaws wired chud homer has the joke of saying what are they going to do advance on me which is a stage direction and then the characters do advance upon him so this is now bart reading a stage <laughs> direction aloud too and he says let's approach with caution <laughs> and then they all leave the room like i love that the first time i noticed like oh they just characters saying stage directions that's great yeah that's a great gag and uh meanwhile homer eats all their food uh the it's an unguarded breakfast the sweetest taboo and uh so then Artie runs into marge marge 
tries to just say it was basically like a drunk email sent and uh, Artie's saying wait oh did you co- it was it consummated their marriage and she <laughs> just shows her three kids and like pretty much i guess i mean we weren't drunk texting them we were drunk emailing drunk instant messaging mm-hmm. no matter what what time period we were drunk doing something to embarrass ourselves if time has shown us anything it's that the internet is made for reconnecting with high school sweethearts or people you wish you boned in high school <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so uh, Homer comes out. He says, "Hey, Marge, is that the guy who couldn't get? It's the guy who couldn't get any off you." Artie convinces them uh, to go on a trip with them. And here comes another. Artie is stuck in the '70s. That's the important part. Like, despite being rich with modern inventions, he is emotionally stuck in the '70s. Right down to his yacht being called the Pacific Princess, a reference to the boat in the Love Boat, the Pacific Princess. Oh, okay, I didn't yeah. know that. I had no idea. Oh yeah. And even the music cue over the establishing shot of it is kind of love boaty they didn't pay for that song (laughs) no no. (laughs) oh yeah we we missed georgie girl by the way oh yes yeah that was that's three (laughs) and uh, also on the boat is one of the only deleted scenes or the only deleted scene that's on the dvd though mcmullen references a lot of deleted stuff but uh, the only one that's on the dvd is while they're playing mini golf lisa misses and then sea captain steers the boat so that the ball falls in the cup uh, and Lisa gets uh, another hole in one so that uh, it would have set up sea captain earlier before uh, this moment. But this uh, this is when we have our next clip where an indecent proposal is made. Homer, Marge, I have a rather delicate proposition. <laughs> Spill it, money bags. <laughs> yes, I do have everything. But yet I often wonder what life with Marge would have been like. It's like being married to my best friend, and he lets me feel his boobs. <laughs> oh, me. Homer, I will give you one million dollars to let me spend a weekend alone with your wife. Hmm, <gasps> a million dollars? Wait a minute. How much sex would be involved? As if it's some. No, no, no. All I want is to show her what life would be like had she chosen me. Marty, that's a sick idea. Come on, Homer, we're leaving. Just think about it. You'll win her yet, Artie. I mean, uh, Artie. <laughs> this is when Bart, Lisa, and Maggie discover their parents left without them. But this is really like the Doctor Evil issue. Thirty years after that movie, where it's like, oh, only a million, only a million. Yeah, it's you know how much a house costs now. <laughs> I hey, I still wouldn't say even at eighty five, I would not say no to sex with Robert Redford for a million dollars. No mm, way. You're splitting that with your spouse, you know. And then the taxes too. Yeah. Plus, well, and then in the movie, uh, Oliver Platt is their lawyer who negotiates the deal, and he gets five percent. So it's like, man, you're losing so much in this deal. Yeah, really. And in the movie movie there's more of an is the the, there is the implication of uh sex no it's it's straight up of like i will have sex with your wife for a million dollars like this obviously they knew in here in here they knew they couldn't make it that clear like homer would not agree to it or neither would mark yeah but yeah yeah okay that's what i thought i was just second guessing myself like wait does the movie string it out too uh but no yeah she just agrees to it for a million dollars and they they also make it very clear like they're gonna lose their home and they're like pretty much painted into a corner so they have to agree or else they'll basically be homeless and uh so was the movie engineered to get couples into fights after they watch it? i mean that's why it it is lasted forever it's because everybody every couple has an indecent proposal conversation like my husband and I agree 
you know what a million dollars is a lot of money we both agree with that but uh, but you know every every couple's different and <laughs> well and also the I, guy offering a million dollars isn't going to look like robert redford that's that's another thing no, about no. it too that is a certain boom because it reminds me of the big chill too where it's like uh, i want to have a baby like oh you want to you want to fuck my husband <laughs> Oh, okay. (laughs) It's all right. We're all staying in one giant house. I'll just stay in the other guest room tonight. Well, they, the, the point of the movie, though, is, too, that with all the stuff we're saying now, they make the point in the movie like, yes, logically, you can tell yourself that. And, hey, it's just one night and and nobody will be jealous. But in the movie, after the night of sex, actually, no, it re- destroys their relationship. And Woody Harrelson is very jealous and it it messes everything up. So the, the point of the movie, too, is like you can say, oh, yeah, theoretically, sure, I'd be fine with it. But if you actually were to do it you wouldn't be fine with it that's which is what homer goes through in the episode as well much faster than woody harrelson does mm-hmm. in the movie sure is there a more current reference episode in later seasons that references like the popularity of cuckolding pornography that has <laughs> overtaken the mm. internet <laughs> oh i'm sure they've uh, they've done like lemon party jokes on yeah, the simpsons true. you know i and remember that, yeah. there's there's a more recent treehouse I believe it was a paranormal activity one that ends with Homer agreeing to have sex with two demons to save his family. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, okay. uh, yeah. Hey, hey, it's it's the treehouse. It doesn't. But yes. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway, we go back home. Homer says, you know what? I could I could use this for this surgery and the two other surgeries I desperately need. And then he just has a heart attack right there. And March says, you know, uh, I can get used to the snoring. If I can get used to calling her Courtney Cox Arquette, I can get used to this. Um, they were so happy together. They were, yeah. I, it was a big deal because in season six uh, of Friends, after she married actor David Arquette, her credit on Friends became Courtney Cox Arquette, which it would stay that way till the end of season, uh, till the end of the series. And actually, the joke in the first episode uh, where she's credited to Courtney Cox Arquette in the in the uh, credits, every other ma- main actor is, you know, David Schwimmer Arquette, Jennifer Aniston Arquette. Like, it's, uh, it was cute. And that they separated in 20... 20- yeah, but what's not so cute is they separated in 2010, uh, reconcilable differences. But you know what? If you watch that David Arquette pro wrestler documentary from a couple years ago, they seem like they're, you know, a friendly uh, uh, co-parenting couple and that they're still they're still buddies hmm. and they still produce movies together and star in them like the the mini scream films yeah she i thought she came off very good in that documentary she seemed very cool and she seemed like mm-hmm. a, a a good sport about uh being in it uh being in a document <laughs> but it seemed like some of it was like hey he's not my problem anymore if he wants to smash light tubes on his head <laughs> go nuts <laughs> yeah it's a it's a it's a really fun documentary. You can't you can't kill David Arquette. It's a really good one. Uh, though I was disturbed seeing basically him fully nude, except for a bag over his genitals. You he's fully naked in the movie. I was like, I'm uncomfortable with this scene, David Arquette. Oh but yeah. They then Homer and Marge have sex uh, happily, and then great joke that Homer instantly falls asleep after the act is finished and is snoring again. And Marge Marge can't sleep, and I. I think it's really cute how Homer says, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. And then he's just snoring while he's awake. Out of 
every uh, face hole yes. <laughs> while sitting up. Uh, and this is when they decide to accept that proposal or that... Uh, indelicate proposition? Delicate proposition. That indelicate a, proposition. Yes, or, yeah. or was it delicate or indelicate? I think Sorry. it was indelicate. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll just play it again yeah. here. Homer, Marge, I have a rather delicate proposition. There you go. A delicate delicate proposition. Okay. Hey, I like indelicate more. Uh, but so Marge accepts it in our next clip. Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you snoring while you're awake? Uh, huh? <laughs> you need that surgery. We'll have to call Artie. Okay, Ziff. You get it for the weekend, but no funny stuff. And by funny stuff, I mean hand-holding, goo-goo eyes, misdirected woo, which is pretty much any John Woo film. Your wife's virtue shall remain as untouched as Bill Gates' weight room. You know, I'm a big fan of John Woo, and I do not appreciate that was negativity. That another, sorry, was that another ref to Mission Impossible 2? That would have been the most recent film when they wrote yeah. that, yeah. He hadn't even made Paycheck yet, which is the worst John Woo movie, like, by far. Yeah, I kind of didn't understand. That seemed like a weird shot to take. And also, now that some time has gone by, I think... Everyone should revisit Mission Impossible 2. It kicks ass. Uh, like, all those movies, it's great. Uh, I remember seeing it in theaters and thinking, like, oh, this is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 charge at each other on motorcycles and just smash. Like, wham. Like, yeah. And they smash in the air. And he free climbs at the beginning and then gets his message through his sunglasses and then throws the sunglasses at the camera <laughs> and they explode. Like that, it's so great. It's so I I really uh, liked it. But yeah, I couldn't have figured out. I mean, I know he did some more like um, journeyman directing in in the American industry in the '90s. But I'm like, I can't think of anything at this point pre paycheck that people would have been like, uh oh, misfire. Well, you know, back then it was okay to say face off sucks. Like people, the opinion was face off wasn't good, which is wrong. It's I'm, good. It's great. Yeah, my memory is that that is also awesome. <laughs> It rules. It's such a great movie. Yeah, I love uh, I but at this time. I didn't like this joke, too, when it was new, because I was one of those John Woo film snobs who was like, I watched I watched all the bootleg uh, VHSs purchased in Chinatown of like a better tomorrow, a better tomorrow Two, killer and hard boiled all of his Hong Kong productions before he became an American director. Yeah, I caught those on really like I would freak out if I would find one at uh you know, Hollywood video or video update or whatever. Or every now and then they'd air one at like one in the morning uh, on Stars. My dad, for whatever yeah. reason, for like hmm. a decade, got Stars for free. No explanation. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, I would find weird stuff at like when I, that's how I first saw After Hours, which I rewatched like a year ago. And I'm like, there's some very good stuff in here. And there is some weird stuff in here that is not aged well at all. But some great yeah, performers. Uh, Cheech and Chong make a, a rare appearance in a Scorsese movie, right? Is that After Hours? Uh, I think they're one of the people, they're some of the people he comes across at one point. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that Bill Gates weight room joke, uh, he was he was a little busy with some other activities back then. Yeah. Bill Gates. He, <laughs> yeah. That's why he wasn't in the weight room. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I wonder if Artie got invited to that. You know, Marty's got his own private island. Maybe he didn't get invited to the Bill Gates yeah. uh, private <laughs> island. Uh, of course, we know other people invited a private island, but we're not, let's not, let's have fun. Let's not talk about that. Hey, so. Sure. Um, 
<laughs> so then in this episode full of references so in the movie woody harrelson realizes just like homer does that he messed up but this happens out of order but in the movie when he realizes he messed up he chases after and goes to the roof and he sees the helicopter flew away and his wife's already gone with robert redford so they have the helicopter goodbye in here but that wasn't enough for him they're like no this can't just be the helicopter goodbye from the movie we also have to reference the final episode of mash and uh, a goodbye was spelled out with rocks, not keep your clothes on. Yes. But yeah. uh, suicide is painless. I think that's, that's song four. Yes. Yeah. Which Al- uh, Fox owns, right? It's uh, yeah. That's what Al Jean says. It's a Fox, which it doesn't mean you don't pay it, but it means you're just paying Fox. So it's just like, you, you know, you're just passing money around really. And so Fox doesn't care as much, which I guess now Disney yeah. owns suicide is painless, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> It's like moving a dollar from a wallet to a money clip. It's just like, eh, it doesn't matter. It's all a, it's all Bank of America in the end, you know? <laughs> then they cut to the bar. This is when Homer realizes the mistake he made, which, uh, you know what, again, uh, Jason, I know you're a fan of, uh, you, you visited Las Vegas a number of times and had a good time. If you want to see 1994 Las Vegas in all of its glory, you'll see it in uh, at least the first half of Indecent Proposal. Mm. Most of it takes place there. They go to a themed Benny Hanna bar in it with singing statues uh and that's where oliver platt's like hey yeah that guy's gonna fuck your wife man that's pretty crazy right and he's like <laughs> hey you're right you're right and he runs off well now but, i have to watch this movie yeah it i we we talked about how to tackle las vegas because uh, the the juxtaposition of 90s theme park vegas where they're getting like top tier special effects and themed entertainment designers from like disney and universal to design attractions and then the casinos themselves, like, are so everything is disgusting. If you watch Vegas Vacation, <laughs> everything looks like it was rubbed with ham. Like, <laughs> I don't. And I, I feel like I'm sure there's still plenty of those kinds of places in Vegas. But like, uh, if you go, uh, to, I, I just think even the cheaper one, like Luxor, the newer ones that came about in the '90s, like luxor new york new york while they're not they're like you know the big thing anymore it's still like reasonably nice you know my girlfriend and i love gambling at those two because it's just fun yeah I, it's I like feel gambling like theming... and like a like a big set like a big movie set and that's yeah yeah i feel like they they aren't investing as much in the theming as they used to i also on my recent COVID getting trip to las vegas <laughs> uh i was also disappointed that it felt like there were no new themed slot machines like i was hoping to see like a rick and morty slot machine for hmm. instance like and i didn't even see the old ones i used to see there like the big bang theory slot machine it wasn't there anymore i but i did play the jurassic park slot machine and won a hundred dollars that then i lost pretty quickly but oh. for, let's just remember the winning <laughs> uh, yeah i i think they they introduced new ones fairly quickly uh i was in atlantic city back around christmas time and the dune slot machine uh based on the new dune was Whoa. massive uh Man. we really like we had good luck with the little shop of horrors machine that is really fun because it sings it shows clips from Holy the movie shit. it's a blast any of that there Oh, that's I'm so the only new one I saw there was the crazy rich ages Asians machine, which honestly took a lot of my money. I didn't win one dollar off of that machine. <laughs> hey, Henry, uh, if, if you give me if you give me a hundred dollars, I'll put a little shop of horrors on the TV <laughs> and you might give me my hundred dollars back. Uh, maybe I'll leave your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> 
But okay, as Homer is learning that like uh, that he probably is going to lose Marge, or they're all making him think that. I just love I love Mo saying that's a lot of swings in the old batting cage. It's round done, Nemo. I got a big payday coming. Yeah, Homer sold his wife for a million bucks. I didn't sell her. I just rented her to an old boyfriend. Gee, a million bucks. That's going to buy him a lot of, uh, swings in the old batting cage. <laughs> Looks like everyone's a winner. Marge gets a great new life. And you get more sprawl space on the bed. Wait, you really think Marge is going to fall for this guy? Even after I bought her that hockey fight tape? I dump your ass. Me too. Yeah, I can't get Artie out of my head. He's like a spy in the house of Mo. Oh, God, you're right. I gotta get her back before it's too late! And also Homer saying, like, even after I bought her that hockey fight tape? That's that's a good line. And then I wish there's another good joke on there that me and Bob tried to dig into the source of it, but uh, it's... Yeah, uh, uh, Mo is getting obsessed with Artie. Mo says he's like a spy in the house of Mo. And apparently uh, they know a comedy writer. They didn't say his name or possibly her name, but they had, this person had a book on tape and it was the comedy writer describing their process. He was just very smug about it. He says, you know, I don't even know where these jokes come from. I'm, I'm like a spy in the house of me. <laughs> and they hated that so much that they put it in this episode. And the only person I found who said that is uh, Carrie Fisher. But she does not have an audiobook on comedy writing or yeah. a book on comedy writing. So maybe that is like a phrase she came up with independently. But yeah, well, we don't know who that writer is. And the only other thing I could find in my research was that there was a Just Shoot Me episode also called A Spy in the House of Me, which I could imagine was another comedy writer, friends with them, saying, like, God, what a hack line that was. I have to write a, I have to name an episode after what a stupid uh, hacky phrase that is. I thought it was a reference to, I thought there was a spy novel, uh, A Spy in the House of Something. Yes, so there, there is a 1954 book called that, so I think... The hacky writer who came up with A Spy in the House of Me was referencing the title of that book. But they, on the commentary, they say it's all just about uh, complaining about a fellow comedy writer. <laughs> oh, A uh, Spy in the House of Love. Yeah, that's the, it. Okay. An, Anis, uh, the Anis Nin novel. As Homer runs off to try to catch up with them, this was another bit they cut uh, that was going to be Homer stowing, but it's not a deleted scene. It was going to be Homer stowing away in a jet engine that flies because apparently that actually was in the news then. Yeah, somebody had, had stowed away to fly to Silicon Valley. Did they, yeah. did they land in like San Jose or something? Yeah, uh, they did catch the guy apparently. So, but I couldn't find the like a story of it in the year 2000 but actually recently there was a man apparently from one of the african countries i believe the place used to be called the congo or is no it's whatever anyway he stowed away in one and did not die and people were like holy shit this guy didn't die but like when i looked up online like on wikipedia has a list of people who have stowed away in planes and what happens to them usually it's in the wheel well uh not in the jet engine and most of them die you either freeze to death or you fall out of the plane and the few uh -huh. that don't freeze to death they basically nearly freeze to death and are then resuscitated in a hospital and then placed under arrest so don't try to hide in wheel wells, guys. It doesn't work out for you. <laughs> but just like in the film, Marge is given a gorgeous designer dress for free. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, Artie is dressed just like their prom. And uh, that's when Artie reveals his master plot. Where are you taking me? We're taking a trip through time. Forwards? No. 
backwards to the sexy 70s. Oh my God, Marty, it's our senior prom. I can't believe he's paying us a thousand bucks to pretend it's the 70s. Disco Stew is working pro bono. Marge, many years ago, I turned a groovy night into a complete bummer. Tonight, you'll get the prom you always deserved. Precious and few are the moments we <laughs> That's very sweet, Artie. Come, dear. We can dance all night. The band hasn't worked since the rap party for James at 16. Some say they're cursed. So, uh, LG episodes take us so long because we have 800 <laughs> references to explain. Uh, two songs in that clip, uh, Disco Inferno and a cover of uh, Precious and Few. Mm-hmm. One other thing to note yeah. is that uh, David Silverman, who directed The Way We Was, the original episode with The Prom, he is at Pixar at this time. He, he's co-directing Monsters, Inc. He comes back to work on storyboards for this episode. So he has a hand in this as well. In, as well. I don't know how he's able to work at Pixar and for Fox at the same time, but they want wanted him on this episode because it was a sequel to that famous uh season two episode yeah that, that he directed and they're just taking from his designs i could see that mcmullen maybe just sent him like hey this looks okay right this this is based on the uh, I, I mean because it is the same prom that in the silverman original episode way we was like it's the goodbye yellow brick road theme uh, even yeah uh, man though that Okay, Disco Inferno, come on. That is so like that's like the fucking minions dance to that. To be like, isn't that funny? Well, yeah, listen to that. If you want to be pedantic and we will be pedantic, their prom <laughs> was in seventy four, Disco Inferno was in seventy six. Could they have danced to a song that didn't exist, I, I ask? I think not. I don't Got think their so. Ass. Yeah. Got their ass. <laughs> Yes, exactly. (laughs) Now we talk about uh, James at 16. You know, a great pull because it's so obscure. No one remembers it. Uh, I didn't know it at all. One season critically acclaimed. It started with a TV movie called James at 15. And it was like, what is a teenage boy's life uh, like in these crazy decade of the 70s? So yeah, one season aired in the 77, 78 season. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And that's why the band is cursed. And by the way, the band is the Larry Davis experience in their same clothes uh, from the way we was. That's great but uh different colors so (laughs) they come back and the limo driver comes back driving the just take me home cab that's the you know the only the only other thing i know i noticed about james of 15 reading about it online was that kevin williamson the creator of dawson's creek said it inspired that for him which i watched a lot of dawson's creek back in my day so Mm. that's hey i at least appreciate it for that and then, oh my God, just to get another fucking movie reference in here, when Homer's run into her, they got to have like, it's not the actual music, but it's the strum on the guitar, Paul Simon kind of thing. And just like for the graduate, like yeah. they have to do a graduate reference on top of that. Like, And they did this uh, one in the Fugu fish episode, right? When he yes. gets out of jail. Yeah. Yeah. They just do it. To, I'm like, guys if you're going to do an episode long and decent proposal thing don't have more movie references why why parody should you? not happen in the, in the middle of your parody it just yes. gets it, get, it muddles things a bit <laughs> but so homer arrives uh, but he gets thrown out by mr dondelinger their old principal who's working as a bouncer on this uh and i love that he says have you been drinking just for 25 years <laughs> that's that's a great line <laughs> So then Artie decides to make his move. Marge turns him down. And instead of taking this uh, very respectfully, Artie does not listen to her and uh, kisses her on the mouth. You're very sweet, but no fake prom can make me forget my husband. I'm sorry. 
Very well, Marge. I see you'll never feel about moi the way I feel about toi. But before the evening ends, may I request an innocent peck on the cheek? Okay. Oh no, if Marge marries Artie, I'll never be born. <laughs> I wish I wish they would have stuck with Homer. Uh, that being his mentality in season in uh, I'm sorry Act Three. Yeah, that it's, yeah. he thinks he's just in Back to the Future. That's such a great joke. Yeah. I love they they credited to Tom Gamble. Something I remember. We talked about Dondelinger. We talked about the episode The Front. This was someone reminded me of this on Twitter recently. Where in the front, Homer goes to get his uh, college diploma, his GED, because he never actually got it. The end of the episode features them going to their 50th reunion. The Kyle run on the screen reads Springfield 2024 yes wow as an elderly Marge and Homer go to their 50th high school reunion Ooh, and boy. Homer has a plunger on his head so folks uh 18 months yeah, we're, 18 we're months. there in 18 months yeah. we'll see you there <laughs> yeah oh boy man it is funny that the Simpsons have become like like their former comic book brethren in that the timeline has been adjusted you know that like oh Reed Richards wasn't working he wasn't working on the space race in the 1960s he's now he's working on plastics <laughs> in the 1980 you know that the Punisher didn't go to Vietnam he didn't serve in Vietnam <laughs> No, he went to Desert Storm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. With that sliding timeline, it really helps that America's been in like perpetual war for 20 years because then you can just say like, no, no, the, the Punisher is like in his mid thirties because he went, he was in one, of, he was in the Middle East uh, since at some point in the last 20 years. You know, easy, easy joke. Yeah, I, I, it's one of the things that I do think is great about Grant Morrison's Batman run that they propose the idea of if all of this counted, if it all counts, it would surely drive a man insane. <laughs> yes. If he had to have all that information in his head at once, he would go insane. If he had to be all 70 years of Batman at that point, and now it's, and now it's just been another decade, yeah. It got that line of thinking out of my head. I was like, okay, that's what it's like. So just take this stuff uh, as if uh, every time a new writer comes on, they're rebooting it. All right, don't try to do the... Mm -hmm. It all counts because they're going to reboot it in three it, years anyway. It, it was a, a different time uh, in 2002, uh, but I'm not like uh, freaking out or anything or like losing my mind. But it is very uncomfortable to hear a, a character kind of like force himself on Marge. Yes. Yeah. When that was like a comedic device, like, oh, the nerd kissed me. Gross. But it's mm. just like just hearing it without the the, vi the comic visual. Just like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just uncomfortable. Like you're I think they even back then they're trying to cut through any scare of it of Marge like slapping his face and like get off me you little nerd again to make it clear like yeah. Marge doesn't feel physically threatened and there's a crowd there too there's a crowd and so it's not like something that weighs heavily on Marge as in you know that she's like it doesn't go to too dark of a territory with it just because Artie is such a little nerd but it makes it more uncomfortable when the more time they spend together later I I think uh just but yeah I I also that line of like I knew this weekend was just an excuse to get in my mouth like ooh that's <laughs> I don't know it's it's kind of a funny phrase but not in this situation <laughs> yeah I was gonna say a more lighthearted moment I'm like Oh, I don't think I like to see Homer cry. I think it makes me sad when Homer cries. Mm. <laughs> 
though, like you said earlier, Bob, that full turnaround of Artie seeing everybody judging him, like at least that's come up. It's in a way because something when we redid it the way we was in season two last year, a downer about it is that Artie assaults Marge on their sexually prom night. assaults. Yeah, and he didn't just slap her around. And and on their prom night, and then he convinces her to not tell anybody because uh, it would damage the town to hear it. So Marge just keeps it a secret, as sadly many women had to in the seventies or you know that's yeah. the, that was the culture then but it was a bummer to watch it now of like oh so nobody found out that guy was a creep like that's gross so at the very least in this moment everybody gets to see oh this guy is a creep okay so at least he's like the truth is revealed and marge isn't forced by society to keep it a secret anymore at least there's that I, i'm trying to be on the positive yeah the, yeah the betrayal yeah. of again sexual assault in this episode but uh and also the strap on marge's uh, dress is ripped for the rest of the time she wears it a reference to was yeah. uh, the episode as well so then and then also Artie does a very involved dance sequence which just feels like showing off by the animators but it's like very very wacky really <laughs> <laughs> just dancing in silence yes yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that I think was one of the things they were complaining about being a complicated sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it does look that way. I, I, I yep. do like Wiggum's reaction of like, he's going to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, one more thing about that prom. Uh, they didn't get the memo, I think, but uh, Luann and Kirk Van Houten are there together as a couple. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, odd, but they'll get back together eventually, but uh, they're just there and it was kind of distracting for me, knowing at this point in the series they were still broken up. You know, let's say Artie and, paid him a bunch of money to go together. Yeah, yeah everyone knows that will that on and off couple where it's like oh they're back together again you know (laughs) then in a very wacky act three change all of a sudden homer decides well time to give up on my life and leave springfield forever and get a new job so it it very act three just on a dime turns into homer gets a new job episode uh the the only stuff that i love about this is how Lenny agrees to all of these. Like, sounds good to me. I'm out of here. Like, Lenny's yeah. got a death wish. He does not value his life at all. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a real darkness to Lenny here. I, he needs more validation from Carl, I think. <laughs> See, when Carl's out of the room, that's when Lenny makes bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, some great Carl stuff towards the end of the episode. I, I also do love, like, uh, Moe's line, well, if it makes you feel any better, he's probably doing it right now. <laughs> like, that's, uh, which, make me the bad guy. Yeah, that's a good that's a good line. <laughs> So Lenny just agrees out of nowhere to leave with Homer. They're going to leave town. They're out of there. Uh, leave town forever. <laughs> forever, yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, So then Marge comes home, and uh, this is when we have another very random, but I think funny joke here in our, in our next clip. I saw Marge kissing a far superior man. Uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, he's probably doing it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, make me the bad guy. My life here is over. Lenny? How'd you like to leave town with me and never come back? Sounds like a plan. (laughs) Then it's settled. We leave Springfield forever. What'd I miss? Anything good? (laughs) That's $912. Send the bill to Baron Von Kisselant. No problemo. This just arrived, Herr Baron. Okay, who's the wise guy? 
Yes. That joke uh, yeah. pitched by David Merkin. Very, very silly, but I like it. I think it all hinges on the design, the large-lipped design of Baron and von Kisselow. Seeing that, he's holding the bill that says, this is a bill <laughs> yes, written on yeah. it, just in case you were confused. Would Family Guy have done that exact joke? Yes. Yes, they would have. It but is it a cutaway. Yeah, and it's a cutaway. But, but the Simpsons yeah. did cutaways before Family Guy was a twinkle in Seth MacFarlane's uh, beautiful eyes. Yes, yeah, and his wonderful singing voice. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, my prime Simpsons watching years were like 12 to 17, 18. I loved all the wacky Simpsons. I loved the like more, the later wacky years. Like I just liked a lot of jokes, you know, uh, mm, looking back yeah. as we comb through this episode, I'm like, yeah, uh, like a third of these are fucking Gen X boomer nonsense references that like, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have known about David at 16 or whatever that movie was. Um, but <laughs> I certainly liked Baron Kissel. A, uh, is it Baron Kiss a lot? Vaughn Kiss a lot. I liked uh, that shit a lot. And then, uh, <laughs> the, the yeah, the gag where Carl comes out of the bathroom is really good. More Carl. There's like two more big Carl jokes coming up. Yeah, uh, the helicopter thing at the end. Uh, my laugh of the show, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, speaking of other great lines too. So Marge comes home and she watches a video. Marge, if you're watching this. And it means I figured out how to work the camera. Last night I crashed a certain fake prom. That's right, Artie Ziff's fake prom. Oh, Homer was there. I saw something terrible and I can't even say it, so I'll have these two dolls do it for me. Kiss me, Artie. With pleasure. Homer's a big jerk. But I can explain. I'm leaving you, Marge. The next time you see my name will be in the hobo obituaries. Don't worry about the kids. I'll drop them off with Patty and Selma. Patty and Selma? Screw that. Just run the camera, you little dog. Goodbye, my darling. <laughs> what they don't say on the commentary is oh yeah they just did this in the movie like this is the except you switch marge and homer's positions they did it in the simpsons movie so it's kind of redundant i i i think them not saying it feels like al Jean going like ah oh, shit we yeah. ripped ourselves off for the movie uh-oh but i love homer saying if you're watching this it means i figured out how to work the camera last night i crashed a certain fake prom that's right, Artie Ziff's fake prom. Like, that's a great that's a great line. A certain fake prom, that's right, Artie Ziff's fake prom. One of the more disturbing yeah. jokes is uh because Bart is working the camera, uh Homer finds a reason to strangle him, but he's strangling Bart while crying. It's disturbing to yes. see, yes, yeah. I <laughs> it's very messed up. And also that Homer's going to be found in the hobo obituaries. That's a great line, too. And we see the return of Funzo in Homer's little act out. Funzo uh, from the, the Christmas episode a couple years back. And I also like that the dinosaur that he gives Marge's voice actually is kind of drawn to have Marge's, like, features. Like, mm. it actually looks a little like Marge, at least in, like, the eye and mouth layout. Yeah. But yeah, Homer strangling Bart while crying, that's messed up. <laughs> and then, well... In the middle of our Indecent Proposal parody, it's time for a little Midnight Cowboy. Why not, right? Let's just go there, straight to it. There's a, uh, not to get too deep into this, there's like a very bizarre like dissolve to the next scene where like the scene closes around Marge's head and then the background around her is pink. And then it dissolves to the next scene and Marge is reflected in the window. Is that for Midnight Cowboy? I don't think it's from Midnight Cowboy. I think it's just a mess. I think the animation, I think it was supposed to be a full dissolve, but like 
it came back bad. So you and think they it was, had to do it in the edit? Yeah, That's it just what I it think. just seems so bizarre. Like if it was, I guess it was a mistake. But. It definitely wasn't like a fantasy cut like that in Midnight Cowboy. Like it's a very yeah. Midnight Cowboy is a very grounded movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it, the whole point of it is that it's like grounded and all that. And yeah, I would guess uh, Lenny is the Ratso Rizzo in this but sequence here. He's not dying. He's just not happily enjoying. He's not dying of tuberculosis. He, he wants just to die. Yeah, though, but uh, yeah. yeah. A quick death. Yeah, I don't... Some of these things, Indecent Proposal, Midnight Cowboy, it's like I've never gotten around to watching these movies, but I have seen countless references from a generation of comedy writers who Mm -hmm, agreed, mm -hmm. like, these are one of 20 references we make. You know, now those older comedy writers, they can complain of like, what, is everything a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference in this thing? But it's like, you guys made us see all these Midnight Cowboy references. I mean, the the Zoomers now, if there's a a scene where someone's on a bus and you hear like acoustic guitar noodling, they're not going to get it. No, no. They'd say like, oh, is that that reference to that Seinfeld that ends with that? Like, is that what the reference is? I think a minion could have done that, maybe. Is that a Jack Harlow song? (laughs) but also it's like okay so they're on midnight cowboy bus but they're going to five easy pieces so it's like no you have to pick 170 1969 or 1970 film you can't pick you can't do them together and it's all housed within the indecent proposal parody yes it's too much it's a lot there's a lot going on al gene calm it down just a little bit you know just pick and choose you can just do a little but this is where we see the idea of Mount Carl War that Lenny carved over a certain summer and never <laughs> told Carl about it. So we're, well, they're really building upon their deep, deep bond with each other. Lenny is just in romantic love with Carl at this point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they arrive at a uh, oil rig, which is that's a reference to the Jack Nicholson film Five Easy Pieces. He's a drifter who works in on an oil rig and it's very dangerous. And uh, there's a great sign, dangerous work, free burial. I like that. And also that the bus line is called Suck You Bus. Which, eh, it's clever. Very clever. You got yeah. a name of bus? Yeah, right. That's a good name for yeah. it. <laughs> then they walk by a bunch of guys who have hooks replacing their hands, including a man with a hook for a head, which uh, that's that's a little too silly. I, I feel like Matt Groening would have killed that joke if he, he had been a little more involved. But And uh, they get assigned to oil rig for 13 just as soon as they burn off the corpses. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I love Bur- uh, Lenny saying, quick and pointless. That's a death for me. Like, uh, But then we fade back over to uh, the Simpsons trying to find Homer. Thank you. You've been very helpful. Dad just got a library card in West Springfield. He checked out 10 books on oil rigging and a book called Dying for Dummies. <gasps> he must have taken a job in the West Springfield oil patch. That's practically a death sentence. <gasps> what happened now? Homer bowled a 300 game? (laughs) Grandpa, that happened a year and a half ago. (laughs) Uh, We have to go save Homer. But West Springfield's three times the size of Texas. We'll never find him there. (laughs) Unless... I really appreciate you helping me find Homer. Think nothing of it, Marge. I hope we can always be friends. Of course. With privileges? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that work on anyone? No. But when it does, hello! <laughs> I love that joke about West Springfield being three si- three times the size of Texas. I loved when they started, like, trolling us about, like, here's where Springfield really is. Like, just making nonsense mm-hmm. 
geography nonsense architecture like i i just thought that i always liked that i love it too yeah yeah, yeah. i also really enjoyed the grandpa joke uh, uh they're doing a lot of jokes around this era where the characters kind of lose track of what the actual story is like what happened <laughs> he's remembering an episode from season 11 yeah. instead yeah <laughs> and like just marge just gets annoyed like no that was 18 months ago <laughs> so good uh i i yeah that uh i also speak of things they were doing a lot then unless right like, people right. always go unless or uh blank a yes yeah a lot of a lot of plots turn on an unless or a blank a also to let you know you know obviously friends with benefit jokes very old now but in 2002 or 2001 relatively fresh idea of, of friends with benefits or fuck buddies in the dirtier part uh, choose your movie there's two yeah. of them oh yes yeah which which do you would you rather see ashton kutcher with mila Kunis? or natalie portman with uh man who is she no switch it switch it it's justin timberlake and mila kunis ashton kutcher and natalie portman thank you i got the real life couple of mila kunis and ashton kutcher mixed up as in being in that movie together oh thank you i'm just gonna rent black swan (laughs) call it a night hey hey that's the better cut that's the couple i want to (laughs) see yeah i gotta say i i like mila kunis i think she's very funny but natalie portman of those four natalie portman acting circles around (laughs) like not even the yeah. same ball game yeah she's uh i i it seems like an easy paycheck for her in the, in the in her fuck buddies movies but yes the the friends with privileges is is their own their, their own version of that joke so they go to save homer this is when i think it's a great gag that they they aren't killed working on the oil rig for normal reasons. They raise their goggles in triumph, which <laughs> then creates a magnifying glass effect to light an ant on fire who runs into an anthill that explodes with all these fiery ants that then light all the oil on fire. One small moment I enjoyed is that when the ants go into the oil, they're briefly relieved, and then the <laughs> fire just explodes from the oil. You That's can, you great. Can hear that. You can hear all their little vocalizing throughout. Yes, yeah. But they're not subtitled like the other ants gag from The Simpsons. Ah, that yeah. out of my mind. These screaming ants, you know, the screams don't need subtitles. Yeah, we know what they yeah. mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Groening did not like the screaming ants. He didn't like it. Animals making noises. Groening's not a fan. But, oh, uh, and interesting. I also. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah did you not know this uh jason he i well i think everyone has their pet peeves and their pet obsessions uh mm. but no i just never it never dawned on me i was just thinking like oh if i had to write a simpsons script if i got farmed out a script is it is it intrinsic to the simpsons that the episode starts somewhere else and the meat of the story does not come along until later or is that a later season innovation is that like a post-season five innovation do you know no. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it. I think if you examine uh, the series, maybe around like even season two, they were doing it. It wasn't like a commonplace uh, formula yet, but it it wasn't like a, a newer idea for the show. And they say uh, the writers admit, like, yeah, it's a cheat, so you only have to write one act break that matters. Yeah, like yeah. your first <laughs> act break is like here's the story. Second act break is like here's the tension. So mm-hmm. it was a big cheat for them, but then it became like a fun, uh, almost like seinfeld style mystery is like where will this lead us where yes, will this yeah. first act take us and, and sometimes it even leads to a famous jingle on a podcast uh, which oh, i right. never get to play oh shit. i bet you didn't see that coming 
Sorry, that was very loud. Yeah. I apologize. But, you know, every episode is that, so yes. uh, we don't have to play it that often. No, I kind of stopped playing it. I was like, well, it's every episode. I, it's not. A, but having Homer say, bet you didn't see that coming. That that was them rubbing it in your face the most. Uh, I also love the line, this is how faceless Joe lost his legs. That's that's another good joke. Yeah. So Marge, Marge tries to convince Homer to not die. He actually pulls Lenny off of the ladder and says, like, no, we're both dying here. And Lenny's fine. He's just like, he's content he's like okay sure yeah yeah <laughs> i suppose that the emotional stakes of this scene is but I, I i had to really dig deep to get it i was like oh yeah the emotional stake of this scene is Artie wants homer to die so then he can have marge all to himself and then he makes the uh the righteous decision of letting convincing homer not to die and be with marge but you just hate Artie so much for what he did to Marge that I I don't care that he, he yeah. that his better angel ran, won out. I'm like, nah, fuck this guy. Like that's that's all I was thinking in this moment. Yeah. But he convinces Homer to get on that helicopter, and Lenny won't do it because there's nothing on that helicopter for me. Which then Carl says, "Don't be so sure." Which Lenny goes, "Carl Carlson." <laughs> which already had been established as his name in in season 11 so this was not the naming of carl carlson the lenny leonard is not officially his name yet uh, that'll be That's season coming. 15 yeah okay yeah, that's just a very <laughs> funny guy. There's a lot of Lenny Carl, Lenny and Carl moments in this. And uh, yeah, he's, they're the best. <laughs> they love each other very much. They're very, uh, they're still not officially a gay couple yet in the show. The most I was, yeah. in, in a recent, in the most recent season, the closest I could see uh, think of was they have a party. Uh, Smithers has a new boyfriend who's a rich old guy. All right. They're, then they're at the party and, you know, all the ladies are asking her, uh, Smithers' boyfriend, who's a fashion guy, like, ooh, give me catty reviews on my clothes and all that. And they're like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Lenny says, hey, what do you think of my top? Indicating his t-shirt. Okay, but yeah. the gay man looks behind him and sees Carl and thinks that's what Lenny is asking about. And he's like, mm, good, good choice, is, <laughs> is what he replies. So uh, a gay man thinks they're gay, but they're still not actually a, a couple yet okay but all right they they still they got to go there soon but uh, but okay yeah we got our last our last clip here as the happy ending of of homer being told he could not get this money now i believe there's a little matter of the million dollars we can't take his money oh i can't take his money i can't print my own money <laughs> i have to work for money why don't I just lie down and die? <laughs> now, Homer, if there's one thing you should have learned from all this, it's that I'm rich, rich, rich! And now, I bid you adieu! I'm Artie Zip! I gotta hand it to Artie Zip, Marge. That little nerd saved my life. And our marriage? with his latest invention, the Snore Converter. Good night, homie. Good night, honey. He's a loser, Marge. Dump him. I traveled the world in the seven seas. I am watching you through a camera. 
That's a creepy ending there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Artie comes back. He comes back in a few years after this. Uh, I watched a re- I rewatched a recent one from 2020, like early 2020, where uh, surprisingly the Artie thing is the B plot. They don't spend a lot of time yeah. on, but Artie gets married and the reveal is the woman he's marrying looks just like Marge. The later reveal is he has built a lot of Marge robots. So a Stepford Wives parody. Uh, no, actually, oh, not, nothing like that at all. Wow. They don't go there. But yeah. uh, It's yeah. such a musty old movie. I figured Al Jean must have referenced it. Yes, but uh, <laughs> he, he avoided that. But yeah, oddly enough, uh, most of the episode is about Lisa getting like Invisalign or whatever. Huh. Uh, it, it makes her smile, which makes people like her more. What does she need Invisalign for? She already got her braces. Uh, Marge points out that was actually an unlicensed periodontist oh, that gave I her see. braces the first time. Well, at least they answer that problem. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's his most recent appearance uh just two oh, years ago man so okay i i know two seasons later that's when he comes back poor because the dot-com bubble burst and that's the joke they do but to, to know they gave him a 2020 episode that's that's interesting and yeah yeah i gotta say the line of refer- i alluded to earlier i can't take his money i can't print my own money i have to work for money why don't i just lie down and die i have been saying <laughs> that i have been saying i can't do this i can't do that why don't i just lie down and die for years and uh my girlfriend was not my my girlfriend is not a simpsons kid so the first time i said that i i forgot about it and i was like why don't i just lie down and die she's like what and i'm like no sorry sorry i forgot you don't have yes we have a few different points of reference okay I'm quoting Homer. I'm not suicidal. Yeah, I'm quoting Homer. I'm not making a mountain out of this very whatever negligible thing we were talking about. Uh, I love. I I mean, I love that reaction. That, as the kids would say, is a vibe of just like I can't print my own money. I have to work for money. Why don't I just lie down and die? Like that's such a great. And again, I'm with Homer. You take the money. You did. I I guess Marge didn't stay the whole weekend, but just just take a million dollars from a jerk. Who cares? It's a million dollars. Like he'll yeah. still be a jerk either way. Just take the money. That's that's still how I feel. But I feel that all of the all of the Artie Ziff appliances. Uh, brainwash wives into leaving their husbands mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you leave them on long enough you'll hear the secret messages uh, so you know an indecent proposal what happens is Demi Moore's character realizes she actually just has a thing for Robert Redford and so she starts dating him and does leave and Woody Harrelson is so jealous that she decides to, to leave him for Robert Redford anyway uh, but then Woody Harrelson wins her back uh, because he gives away the million dollars to charity to prove that it wasn't about the money for him and her and mm. so then they get back together and it's uh, a happy ending though they still all of their money problems still exist at the end of the movie but they don't really talk about that and that charity was the cuckoldry association <laughs> yeah that seems like a very convoluted ending i feel like they didn't want him to give away the money in a way that was bad so they he actually like uh it's it is a endangered species auction hosted by billy Connolly, playing billy Connolly. he's like it's me, Billy Connolly. I'm the funny MC of this thing. And <laughs> you folks enjoying the movie? Yeah. Yes, We're yeah. in Act Three. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Uh, strange. It's very strange looking back some of the things where it's like, you know, they don't make movies like this. They don't make movies anymore, like mature stuff for adults. And it's like, this is the details of indecent proposal. All right. Yes. No, it. Yeah, it's kind of, honestly, it's kind of a boring movie. And honestly, you don't even get enough skin. Like, you know, Mm. Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore both 
incredibly attractive at that time and still to this day i don't want to make it sound like they're ugly now but you barely get any like you get one sex scene in it like come on I, i'm seeing an r-rated movie called a decent pr- uh, proposal i want to see sex hey she recovered from uh nothing but trouble you know mm-hmm. I, i'm just glad she was in a hit movie in 1994 <laughs> in general i think this is an episode full of really funny lines like and there's some really funny stuff in it i just wish Al Jean just relaxed on the movie references <laughs> just calm it down just a little bit have a little more confidence in your story only stick to an indecent proposal thing if that's what you're going to do i think he just had a like a critic notebook full of unused ideas i think you're right yeah i think you're right <laughs> but uh i i give it a thumbs up i like this better than the last couple gene episodes we've we've done yeah there's yeah. been a few uh not so great ones uh i do like this and i love uh i don't love john lovitz as a person but i like his performances <laughs> and again uh, go to that yelp rev- uh, the yelp page for his comedy club you'll see him getting into it he's a commenter he's some of the funniest writing yeah. he's done in a while probably. the internet has made everyone a poster even john lovitz and i love it for that (laughs) any final thoughts jason no i think you know i always i think a lot of people cut off the simpsons at like season nine i always went a little further and went to behind the laughter but it is nice to be remembered like oh yeah in the teens in the early teens there's some really solid stuff you know there's stuff that i was like laughing at in high school of like oh yeah there's still funny simpsons episodes you know i still have a, a an unconscious impulse Sunday nights of like, oh, should I, the Fox animation block is on. And now I'm old enough that I have friends working on those shows. And so it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's always kind of been, I only remember the Simpsons on Thursday nights when I was very, very young. And then I was not allowed to watch it because they curse sometimes. And Aww. then uh, I think by the time I came back around it had moved to Sunday nights. So, Damn. Too body. Too body. Yes. Too body. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us again, Jason. Uh, please let us know what's happening with Podcast The Ride. This episode will go live in uh, mid-August. You know what you'll be doing then? I know some stuff coming up. Uh, I don't know exactly what, we, what exactly is on the docket. Uh, I know there's some very fun stuff. We've gotten a little ahead on the Patreon. There's some real bonkers episodes coming there. But yeah, check it out. Uh, Podcast The Ride, wherever you get your podcast and you can find our you know patreon only feeds the second gate and club three over at patreon.com slash podcast the ride and uh yeah that's it for me i'm online i'm on twitter podcast the ride on twitter and instagram and i'm on twitter at jason sheridan and at at jason sheridan on instagram no and i've uh, you know forever dog has hosted a few of uh video uh versions of of your regular episodes on their on their youtube which have been fun to watch because you you guys pick a lot of good uh video clips to play as well on those i've i've had a good time watching those oh thank you so much yeah you can find us on the forever dog youtube channel uh some clips not every episode but if we've we've uh, been in the studio we've recorded some video clips yeah that took uh some getting used to of uh camera a voyeur camera watching me for two hours as i fidget <laughs> and like mm-hmm. uh you know tap my ipad to bring up my reference points no i don't know if i could do it i uh, i i like i don't want listeners to know when i look at my notes and say something <laughs> the wall behind me does not represent my interest yes yeah bob needs <laughs> to let people know that like, if you see that comic that spider-man it, amazing spider-man 33 behind him that's my issue not not bob's it's, it's true <laughs> but thanks again for jason for being on the show oh thanks so much for having me 
Thanks so much to Jason Sheridan for being on the show. Please check out Podcast The Ride and everything that they do. We love all of their work. But as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get all these episodes one week ahead of time in ad free, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month. You get just that, but also access to our extensive back catalog of Patreon exclusive miniseries episodes. That's a lot uh, for the past five years we've been doing. You get access to all of it immediately and also access to uh, monthly exclusive episodes of Talking of the Hill and Talking Futurama in our miniseries episodes. Episodes have also covered things like Batman the Animated Series and Mission Hill and The Critic. If you liked hearing us talk about uh, John Lovitz and this, we talked about The Critic for 23 episodes uh, back in 2017. That's only behind the $5 paywall, only at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And there is a $10 level as well. When you sign up for that, you get access to all the $5 stuff naturally, but also access to one extremely long podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, which is our super duper depth exploration of an animated feature film that we do once a month if you enjoy us going deep into a simpsons episode we do that for an animated movie often over five sometimes even over six hours long this summer we've been doing the summer of the disney renaissance you'll get to hear us this month talk about the rescuers down under the month before that beauty and the beast the month before that the little mermaid and a giant back catalog of us covering a lot of other stuff like who framed roger rabbit for six and a half hours toy story three for six hours south park bigger longer and uncut a goofy movie akira so so many things there that's in addition to all the five dollar stuff bob just mentioned if you go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons you can explore all the stuff you're missing out on and as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter as bob servo my other podcast is Retronauts, the classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash Retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. Henry, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. And also follow the official Twitter account of this podcast, at Talk Simpsons Pod, to stay in the loop when new stuff comes out on the Patreon or on the free feed. Or if we have some news to share with you guys, you will stay up to date if you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on twitter and of course if you're looking for an easy to explore list of all the free podcasts me and bob have done over the last seven years you need to go to talkingsimpsonspodcast.com thanks so much for joining us folks we'll see you again next time for flaming mo's and we'll see you there looking at me keep dancing don't you know how to dance watch me ah he's gonna sleep tonight <laughs>